Hey, podcast friends. If you love our podcast and want to help support us to continue making cool shit, consider joining our Patreon community. Get early access to each episode, a monthly hangout on Zoom, custom answers to your questions in exclusive Patreon videos, and much, much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash conversations with creators to become a patron today. Your support means the world to us. Now on to the episode. What is up, Conversations with Creators listeners and watchers? Uh, today's episode is pretty cool. It is the uh, Jump Fest 2018 panel. So it is a parkour gathering of a whole bunch of athletes. And there's a panel, I was on it, uh, of a bunch of different styles of business. So there was a gym owner, a clothing designer. Uh, uh, there's obviously me doing video, talking about media. We all talk about business, just kind of tips and tricks for uh, how we've had success teaching the young kiddos uh, from some people that have had some experience. So I really hope you enjoy this Jump Fest 2018 panel. I am one of the speakers and uh, a lot of valuable stuff in here. So enjoy. I believe Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, said it, which is you can never connect the dots looking forward and what's going to work. Only looking back can you see the path and how all the things that you went through actually lead to where you are. Start creating every day, every day. Make something every day, even if it's small. Actually, social media is awesome for this because you can kind of do it called micro content. You can make something and put it out and get feedback. And that's how you, you learn through the practice of doing it. That's literally the best experience you can have. Viewing yourself as a professional and having the professional attitude of your clients come first, you make good work and you are reliable with what you're going to say. That's like one of the key things for any professional. Just a professional mindset is when you say something, it happens. You look at clothing companies and they make tons of money. Like you, could, some of these massive streetwear bands are bringing in huge, huge amounts of money. But if you want to stay progressive, if you want to keep ordering more stock, if you want to be getting into more retailers, you want to be making more technical clothing, the absolute majority of that money has to go back into the clothing. We're here to teach like uh, positivity, uh, reinforcement, creativity. We're here to teach uh, confidence. We're here to teach community. We're here to teach that, you know, the basically the essence of parkour as well as the essence of who we were. Um, and we're using parkour as a vessel to do that. So it wasn't like we're, let's open a parkour gym. It's like, let's open a life helping gym. And we're gonna use movement as the tool to do that. Hey, quick question before we get started. Would you like to win a free piece of clothing from Snowman Films and a 30-minute chat about your creative journey with me? I know that I would love to connect with you, and I know that I would have loved to talk with somebody who had experienced a similar path when I was getting started. So let's make it happen. Here's what you need to do. Subscribe to the Conversations with Creators podcast, rate and review and share it in just five easy steps. First, write a review on your preferred podcasting platform and rate it. Five stars for good karma. Then screenshot your review and share it on social media, tagging Snowman Films. Each month, I'll select one random winner to receive a free piece of clothing from our store and a 30-minute virtual coaching call with me. Again, subscribe, write a review, rate the show, screenshot that review, share it on social media, tagging Snowman Films, and get entered into a drawing for that one-on-one -on -one virtual session with me and some free swag. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave me a review. I really appreciate you, and I'm excited to see you in our one-on-one -on -one virtual call soon. Now, let's dive into today's episode. So the big question is this. 
How are creators like us, who aren't built for the 9 to 5, for the people who put their passion before them being comfortable, how do we turn that passion into a living that pays the bills and a life that we love? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answers. My name is Noah Mittman, and welcome to Conversations with Creators. All right, cool. So welcome, everybody, to the uh, Jump Fest Colorado panel discussion um, that will be hosted on JumpFest University. Um, so the big inspiration for this one is if you've seen NPR, I have a segment called How I Built This. Um, I listen to it every Monday morning um, and, it, and it really inspires me because um, it, it kind of just shows other pioneers and entrepreneurs and most of the time it's it, the guests they have are people who have made it and then at the end of it they do a segment of someone that's like on their way to becoming like a you know, serial entrepreneurial powerhouse. Um, and so what I've asked everyone here on this panel is to essentially represent kind of the, the industries that we all think of when we think of parkour and we can start to see uh, kind of how they interlace and like what career paths ultimately um, all five of these industries could use, uh, what services we're looking for um, to help delegate, um, as well as just kind of, we'll kind of wrap up with, uh, you know, where we feel we kind of got lucky um, but also what we did to prepare for the opportunity when it presented itself. Um, and then also kind of just give some insight as to where I think each of us will kind of, where we think those industries are gonna go. So if you're looking for, you know, what's a new you know niche market that you may potentially be able to tap into, we might be able to give some idea. Um, again, I know for me, I'm not gonna have a full thought out idea. I just know there's certain services that if they exist, I'd be like, dope. <laughs> um, right, so. Um, and that's ultimately how all this starts. So what we'll do is we'll just we'll go down the line. We'll introduce ourselves and kind of like what industry we'll be primarily representing. Um, we'll kind of go through, like I said, the stories and, and then kind of the future proofing, and then we'll open it up for Q and A, um, so you can all ask your questions and, and things of that nature. I have an alarm set for 11, so when that goes off, um, that will probably be hope the last question, and we'll start wrapping up. But um, again, you can always find any of us. Um, we're more than happy to have these conversations. I'm sure everyone up here loves talking shop, so. Um, yeah, it's like that's what we thrive off of. So, I am Justin Schaefer. I am the creator of Tranquil Movement, which is ultimately the the umbrella lifestyle brand um, that I've had for over a decade. Um, and so, it's the the host um, company for JumpFest and JumpFest University. JumpFest being uh, the transitionary spaced events um, for young parkour practitioners to get to mix and mingle week long um, with uh, with professionals and, and professional parkour athletes and um, really get to share the expertise. Um, and so there's a certain experience that JumpFest University provides for the people here. And the reason why we document and film this is so that we essentially when people start writing the history books, we can timestamp where leaders of the community thought processes were. And so people don't make the same mistakes we do, um, ultimately. So again, my name is Justin Schaefer, and I'll hand the mic over to the other Justin. Hello, beautiful people. I am the other Justin. I don't know if that was for me or just because you're all so beautiful, but I'll take it. Um, is, this, is this too loud? Am I too close to this thing? No, you're good. It's all right? Oh, okay, cool. Um, this is actually my first time here, so some of you may have known me because I'm loud and obnoxious and I have this poofy hairball on top of my head. Um, but I run a gym called Firestorm Freeriding and Acrobatics in Orange County. We are firmly nestled between all three of the Tempest gyms. Um, and that is how you can find us. Um, exactly. <laughs> Uh, we have a, a pretty big program. We run nine different sports, everything from parkour to tramp wall, tricking, tumbling, breakdance, aerial silks, ninja warrior. 
uh, you name it, we try to provide equipment so you can do it. Uh, in addition to that, I also run Firestorm, well, I should say my wife runs Firestorm Talent Entertainment. Um, I just help her with it, and that is kind of our talent agency. So a lot of our premier athletes and the people that get really good in the community, they go out and uh, all over from pretty much all over the country, fly out to different places and do performances, do different events, everything from parkour and stunt work to fire spinning and fire breathing, aerial silks, uh, contortionists, pretty much uh, any unique skill set you have, we find a way to monetize it and find a way to make you some money, whether it's uh, on TV, in movies, uh, YouTube channels, everything to just really, really rich people that want entertainment for their backyard parties and show their friends how cool they are. Okay. Solid. <laughs> Hi, I am Noah Mitman. I own Snowman Films. Uh, much like Giles, I have a crippling fear of public speaking, so bear with me. <laughs> um, so, Snowman Films, I've uh, been in the parkour community for 10 plus years. Uh, we've done all of the video marketing for Jump Fest through the years. Uh, except for last year, we kind of branched out a little bit, let some other people have some creative stuff. Uh, started, so I've been a filmmaker for 12 years. Uh, started the company six years ago, and uh, mixed freelance work and parkour stuff kind of for several years. Uh, then, 15 months ago, I had a son. And uh, that kind of changed perspective a little bit. Uh, we were doing, I was in charge of the Flow Gang project uh, last year. And come January or so this year, kind of switched over because of having the family and kind of having some responsibility that's greater than myself, uh, switched over to small business uh, marketing in terms of like the primary focus of the company. And uh, we really found a niche. We've uh, grown 8x in the last four months. And uh, the company, yeah, it's, big. <laughs> it's been uh, delegation, like Jaws was talking about, has is, is been my life for the last two months. Uh, we actually now have five or six people involved in the company, and it's grown every month, and uh, really excited for where we're going in the future. So small business marketing, and have a lot of parkour experience as well. Noah Mittman with Snowman Films. Hello. Giles <laughs> Campbell-Longley. Um, I'm glad you're the video guy because you know your stuff <laughs> compared to me. Uh, I am. Uh, I was a. I was a filmmaker. I now focus on running my brand, which is a, a, a clothing brand called The Most Projects, which is focused on obviously making clothing, but also I want to build the brand in a direction that, a, as it grows, I can do more with the kind of the profits and the outreach and, and everything like this, and, and try to put on events like this and, and just generally try and lead by example and do kind of progressive things within our community. Um, I also sponsor a number of athletes who in their own right are incredibly talented and have helped me grow the brand. Um, and yeah, it's all good. It's all fun. <laughs> You're so British. <laughs> uh, my name is Vinnie Coriel, um, born and raised in Colorado. I opened a business called Move to Inspire, um, a gym four years ago. We had a brand about three years before that. Um, and it's kind of turned into this um, opportunity to basically use what we have uh, to help character development. So um, a big focus of the gym that we have right now um, is our core team. So we, we kind of foster you know, kids when they're starting in parkour, and then we give them more opportunities to do more things. So um, there's one group of athletes that we spend probably 10 hours a week with, um, just training them, um, helping them, mentoring them, um, and that's a big focus of Move to Inspire. 
And then um, I'm also partnering with uh, Nick Zaleski from Boulder, Colorado, and we're opening up a, um, the first youth and special needs parkour gym, um, and that's going to be the focus of that. Uh, we're super excited about that. <laughs> Um, and then I also just, with my wife, we just opened um, a Christian performing arts company um, that focuses specifically on working with people. Um, and so we, we perform with parkour, with dance, um, written word, uh, musical instruments, and, and the focus of that is to, um, to just build a community and to help people. So our, our focus is really, really, really on um, just working with people, building people up, um, showing them, you know, just just where their path is going to lead um, and and you know how can we help you to help other people it's kind of just like that discipleship furthering helping more and more and more and more um, so that's kind of my my role in all this <laughs> awesome cool so the the big kind of parkour industry that um, I guess that what I get questions for all the time is is, is events go figure um, and so yeah, so I'll kind of start with uh, the need that I saw. Um, obviously, the the why was um, losing my losing my aunt to breast cancer was the ultimate uh, the driving force as to why I wanted to create an experience. Um, as far as how the event thing came about, is I I was doing uh, obviously going to parkour events. Um, my first actual parkour event was a competition in Germany, um, so I had competed in parkour before I'd ever gone to a jam, um, and so. But when I went to jams, what I noticed was, um, and again, this was this was at a time where if you did any types of flips, uh, that was not okay. You were you were for sure gonna die, and you need to get out of here type of thing. So you know, flips about parkour was was the big debate at the time, um, and so um, naturally that's going to create kind of a, a division. It's going to create, you know, for lack of a better word, a segregation within that environment. Um, and so, but instead of just being like, whoa, whoa, what's wrong? Like I just kept forcing my way in there, you know, smiling and joking around and just proving that I'm here to have fun and here to help. Um, but I noticed that, of course, um, whoever you drove up with was essentially who you kind of stuck with, right? Because either you're dependent on for rides, it's like you need you to go get food, everyone's kind of sleeping on someone random's floor. Um, you know, at that time, like social media, like Facebook really wasn't a platform to like educate people as to where to go. Like, so there's communication was always a breakdown. So I said, well, when I create an event, I want to make sure that everyone stays in the same place. And I knew that if we provided food to a certain extent, they would become dependent on us because now it's communal. Right? So, um, so yeah, so the, so the first year, um, you know, I, it was important to, uh, to understand this because I think you know, again, if this is you know your first interaction with Jump Fest, or you're kind of new to this, um, it's it's easy to interpret as like, oh, it's just always been this epic and awesome. Um, and I, I think the epicness and like the, the camaraderie has always been there. But um, you know, so I was 20 years old when I started putting this together. Um, at the time, I was working a part-time job coaching for I don't know, like 8.50 an hour. So I effectively I was making $800 a month. Uh, had an apartment with three roommates. Uh, riding my bike three miles to the gym <laughs> and then three miles back um, all while trying to create this event. So I do want to specify that in the beginning phases uh, the big theme of sacrifice was, was definitely a very prominent thing um, and also while being a competitive parkour athlete signed with WFPF so I was traveling the world either competing or doing tours um, you know and then 2010 was my first invite to the Red Bull Art of Motion and that was before Art of Motion was paying for athletes to fly over there. So 
having to also do that. So again, my, if you've heard me around camp, like the big and versus or, um, I'm definitely a big and guy. I'm doing this and this and this and this. And then the next part of that is learning also how to not always be a yes man and learn when to say no. Um, and, and the hardest part when you're starting a new event um, is because in this, I mean, in this day and age, like you can kind of shoestring things, but just my biggest recommendation is, is it's, it's hard to just come out the gate swinging with a price point that's going to effectively do it, um, like right out the gate. Um, but, you know, there are so many permits that I have to apply for. There are so many, you know, conversations with insurance companies that I have to have and, and they raise their prices every year. So I'm constantly like in this state of, I gotta, I gotta kind of figure out what's going on. I think, I think the biggest part where I lucked out is that I lived in Colorado. So, and there's always been extremely talented people in Colorado from all walks of, you know, life in, in the parkour um, spectrum. Um, and so that definitely helped push that, but I, I truly think that you could mimic um, an event of this caliber and this size anywhere in the U.S. now. I think I think we're all really well connected, and um, and I think jams are a much more comfortable thing. People understand um, where they're going. Um, so uh, my biggest recommendation is first, um, talk to your local uh, government, the Parks and Rec. Um, so you may have noticed like no police officers have essentially come in and stopped us. Um, it's because we've created the repertoire we educate them. Um, you know, they know every year I go to them for a noise permit. So when we're at Acacia Park, um, you know, we can we can be there till the wee hours of the night, um, and and no one will complain. We go and we educate every single local uh, company, um, every essentially every person we work with on Jump Fest with the merchandise and it, like it's all local vendors. So they really support the parkour event because every year they know that they have a check coming. Um, in exchange for their service, um, and so they—they've actually been, you know, more of the lenient ones. Of, you know, they—they they tend to give us deals, you know. And so all of a sudden, like, you know, I, I put a, a, an order in for 50 more shirts, and they only charge me 50 more dollars. Like, I know they're losing money on that, but they're like, hey, you know, we've been working with you for eight years, so we'll throw you a deal. Um, so definitely start local. They will start to educate you on. What, what kind of permits and processes need to get um, involved. Um, as far as insurance, um, yeah, ultimately, from, from the research I've, I've, I've gathered, pretty much all of us, um, in the US at least, if we're, if we're using insurance, we're all working with the, the same underwriter. It's all coming from the same individual or company that can actually write certificates of insurance, depending on who sells it to us. It may, it may be USA Parkour, it may be somebody else, but ultimately, we're all kind of going to the same the same person, which is good because the more people that get involved with that insurance and the more money that gets put in there and the less claims we have, ultimately that insurance gets cheaper and more affordable for all of us. Um, and I'm sure Justin can touch on that a little bit more in, in, regards, to the, in regards to the gym thing. Um, um, yeah, so I, I have a firm stance that if you go to a parkour event, um, at least with Jump Fest, uh, if you come to Jump Fest and you effectively do not do a single jump or a single flip, you've got the point. <laughs> like, um, I don't need to tell parkour people to go do parkour. They will, I mean, yeah, you guys are jumping into pools in here that, and, and you know, guys go get trampolines and set up things. So like, that's, that should never really be the focus unless, unless that's what you're going after. And then it's like, you know, and then all the marketing pushes towards when you're here, you're gonna throw down. So we're, you know, we're always trying to take the stance of like, we're here for 
your personal development, your growth, and, I, and, I, and my, my sole purpose each year is to find individuals that are in line with that to help create that experience. So I'll, um, and, then, yeah, and then as far as the future of Jump Fest, uh, you know, tomorrow we will be revealing uh, two teaser trailers for the, the, two jump, the two additional Jump Fest that will be happening this year. Um, so I'm nervous and I'm excited. Um, yeah. Thank you. With that, with that being said, um, I'm going to hand the mic over to Justin, and, and he can kind of share his his story. Oh man! Hello again, everybody. Woo! <laughs> um, so there is just so many avenues I can go, and, and so much to cover. So I'm just going to ramble for a little bit, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll get something worthwhile out of it. Um, I'm really curious. Raise your hand in the audience if you either, if you, if you own a gym by any chance. Anybody out there? Hey, hey. You're not in the audience. Okay, uh, raise your hand if you're a coach of some sort at any level. Holy crap, that's like half of you. That's awesome. That's, that's super duper cool. You guys get to share your knowledge, you get to do something you love, and hopefully you get to make a, a livable amount of money off of it, shall we say. Um, I'm going to age myself a little bit here, but just to, just to, put Justin down a notch. Uh, I started at $8 an hour when I was a coach, so it's pretty cool. Sorry. Um, I was also 13 at the time, so they definitely were paying me minimum wage. Um, my background is uh, I, was a, I was a dirty, dirty gymnast growing up, uh, so I did gymnastics from the age of uh, six until I was about 12. Uh, broke my spine when I was 12, so that kind of uh, took me out of competitive gymnastics. Um, started coaching after that. I did cheer. I did high diving throughout high school and college. I just like to do flips and jump off stuff. It was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't even discover parkour until I was 22 or 23. And for the first year I trained it, I trained it at a gymnastics gym at open gyms where there was a group of like eight guys doing these crazy vaults and weird flips that I had never seen before. Remember the first time I, uh, you guys know who Josh Yaden is? Yeah. yeah, he taught me my first pimp flip like a decade ago, and I was like, what is this? That's not a flyaway. What are you doing? <laughs> um, if you guys know who Andy Lee is, he was the world tricking champion a couple of years ago. Um, I met him like a decade ago. I saw him do a cart, uh, was it a cart cork? And I was like, man, that dude's tumbling is so whack. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I actually went over to him. I was like, hey, man, do you want some help with your round off? And he's like, no, it's called tricking. And I was like, no, it's called bad tumbling. Um, so it was, this has been a very unique experience because I came from a very different background. Um, but I just, <laughs> I just really love doing different flips. Um, and so as I met all these different all these different, uh, you know, like trickers and free runners on the stuff, and my mind went from from a very narrow understanding of kind of acrobatics with gymnastics to this this much wider, bigger world. And it was so cool and so amazing, and no, it didn't matter how good you got at anything. You know, you'd be like, I could triple cork, you know, and that's cool. But somebody over here can do like handstand on somebody else's hands. It was just super amazing. Um, and so I started coaching gymnastics at the age of 13, and that kind of moved out to coaching high diving, cheer, tumbling, trampoline, wall tramp. Um, I got very lucky because I got a really good um, coach who trained me how to coach when I was very young. Um, a guy that I doubt any of you would know, but his name's Sam Tribble. He's one of the best serial artists in the world, if any of you guys know what serial is. It's like a giant metal hula hoop. This is a guy that is, is 55, and he can hang upside down on rings and do a reverse muscle up to handstand on rings. Upside down. It's just, it's just mind-boggling. Um, yeah, right? That's what I said when I saw it. I was like, crap, you're in your 50s, you can do that. I, I'm supposed to be in my prime, it's not even close. Um, but basically, I saw all these amazing people 
Um, and the only place that they would get together, because uh, like parkour people will go outside, right? But a lot of tumblers don't go outside. There are those that do, and same thing with trickers. But there's so many different things that you need interesting apparatuses for, um, and that it's an easy place to meet up is the gym. It's, it's where you go, you meet up, you meet all these new people, and you, you then decide to go train outside, or you, you learn something new. It's just, it's kind of a communal setting, like what Justin's created here. It's all these new people. Um, and so I've been coaching until, uh, at that point, until the age of about 25. Uh, I graduated college with an engineering degree. And I got really fat. I got really fat because I was sitting in a cubicle all day working on a computer and I was 230 pounds. I, uh, I went from being uh, a national champion in a couple sports and a state champion in high diving to two years later being 40 pounds overweight and hating my life. Uh, having the opportunity to make a lot more money, but uh, I can tell you the, the money is not gonna help you then. Um, and it it basically made me start having to get into this wider community and start training more. And when I met all these different people doing all these different things, uh, there was a, a guy who was his second time ever coming to an open gym. He did a front flip off of a tumble track to a mat and he, he broke his knee. Uh, it wasn't even because he landed wrong. He got his foot kind of stuck in the mat and he jerked it to try to get it out, broke his own knee. Unfortunately, that gym was not very well run and they didn't have a waiver form for the guy. They had to settle out of court, and they lost a lot of money, and they had to shut down their open gym program. Uh, this was the, the only adult and uh, teenage training open gym in, in all of Orange County, if you guys know where that is, between LA and San Diego, which is where I'm from, where my gym is. Uh, and because of this, um, this open gym that was five nights a week, this community center kind of, that had about, a, on, on the best days, had about 100 people in it, on the worst days, had about 60 people getting together to train every single night. Uh, suddenly shut down and there was no place for all these different people to go uh, so at that point I'd already been working on my gym idea a little bit uh, it took about two and a half years to get off the ground um, especially you know seven or eight years ago if you try to convince people before Ninja Warrior became huge before all these things that are well known publicly if you're like yeah so will you please give me a quarter million dollars because I want to create a business where people do flips for a living and people look at you like you're insane. Uh, so it took about two and a half years to get off the ground. Uh, we actually did not get anywhere close to that amount of money and we had to start our gym with about $30,000, all volunteers. Um, for the first 18 months, I got three days off and I worked 16 hour days and they were only because I had the flu. Uh, but over time, your passion will, if, you, if you're passionate about something, that will there it's like, it's like bondo it will just cover all your other little uh, little issues and stuff because people will be attracted to that passion and want to join your team and i got very lucky that very early on i got a very strong team of people that believed and they were willing to work for me for 3 months in our gym for 0 dollars <laughs> simply for being able to train and run private lessons and stuff um, and uh, due to all those beautiful people and about two months of uh, sleeping in a foam pit as we built our gym. We got it off the ground. Um, and then over the last five years, we went from, from starting, we got very lucky when we started because I had been coaching in that area at that point already for 15 years. So I was fairly well known in my area. And uh, that got me about 50 to 75 signups within the first month, which allowed us to very quickly pay our bills. Um, and by bills, I mean things like rent, insurance, utilities, not like, hey coaches, here's a bunch of money. 
It was more like, do we have enough money to buy us all pizza tonight so we have some food? Yeah, okay, that's cool. That's nice. We like eating food. Um, but since then, it's grown to where, and I could very well be wrong, so please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for a single gym in the United States, I think we have the, the largest membership. Uh, right now, we just lost 100 members because of summer and summer sports, and in California, water sports are really big in the summer, but we have about 700 members in our program. We run 160, 65 classes a week. Uh, we have 28 coaches, um, yeah, five managers, six like almost full-time office people. It's ridiculous. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is you, it's, I believe Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple said it, which is you can never connect the dots looking forward and what's going to work. Only looking back can you see the path and how all the things that you went through actually lead to where you are. If I had got a job teaching gymnastics when I was young, if I hadn't broken my spine, I never would have started coaching. I would have kept competing. And if I hadn't started coaching, I wouldn't have learned. If I hadn't met these weird guys doing these vault things that I had never seen before, I wouldn't have been introduced to parkour. Uh, that wouldn't have brought me to this wider community. It wouldn't have introduced me to the right people to help me build the gym and give us the money that we needed. And it wouldn't be at a place where I'm lucky enough that I can afford to have 28 people who make their living doing parkour or the acrobatics of their choice. Um, so. Yeah, man, if you guys are coaches out there and that's what you want to do in a place you want to get to, um, just know that it's not fast, but as long as you keep looking for every opportunity. I, I know, especially if, if you're not a person who's really into business and you hear the things like marketing and insurance and things like that, you're just like, oh my God, shut up. Um, it's tough, but the sooner you start looking into those things and trying to understand and build your base, not of just friends, and of skills like in parkour, but skills in a wider sense in the world, building your knowledge base, always trying to learn. You don't have to just learn in school. You can learn everywhere and from everyone. Everyone sitting around you right now has a superpower. Everyone out here knows something they're really good at that you don't know crap about. And if you had that information, you'd be a better human being overall. Um, so if there's one thing I could leave you with today, it's just talk to people and find out what they're passionate about because you never know when that thing five years from now is gonna come back or that connection is gonna come back and hook you up and help make your dreams a reality. Network. Yeah, networking. I'll go more into networking as well. So uh, I also wanna start off with a couple questions. Uh, raise your hand if you are a filmmaker or want to be a filmmaker. You're getting there. I, I still haven't gotten there in my opinion. So it's 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 not a destination. This is kind of the classic saying, it's not a destination, it really is a journey. And the way that you enjoy it is you enjoy the journey. Uh, you enjoy every slip, every stumble, every triumph. Um, it is a hard road like Jaws was talking about. This is if you want to be a professional creative, that kind of put a little list together of like the progress, the, the kind of evolution that, that we've gone through and that I've gone through. So um, starting off, before you kind of get to the professional level, if you're like, I started with just filming parkour videos with friends, just kind of having the camera in my hand, like I'm sure a lot of you do. It's just kind of started with fun and a hobby. And uh, I remember there was a very fateful day uh, in, God, it was years ago. Who, who remembers the video, um, Something Different with Brian Taylor? Anybody? Yeah, a couple people. So 
way back in the day. We were filming that, and that was the day he came to me and he was like, you understand that you could do this professionally, right? And that was like a little light bulb. I was like, oh, that's an interesting thought. And that was, I mean, more than six years ago. Uh, that was a long time ago. So what it starts with is practice. Uh, start creating every day. Every day. Make something every day, even if it's small. Actually, social media is awesome for this because you can kind of do what's called micro content. You can make something and put it out and get feedback, and that's how you, you learn through the practice of doing it. That's literally the best experience you can have uh, is just pick up a camera and try some stuff out. Um, once you do that for a lot, kind of get a, a reel together. So a reel is kind of a collection of your favorite shots, your favorite kind of projects. And for me, when I look to hire... I don't care about a resume at all. I, I, I literally, people send me resumes, I don't even open the file, I just look at their reel. I'll know within about 30 seconds whether or not I'm gonna hire somebody uh, based off of the quality of their work. Because that's really, when it comes down to it, your craft is what's gonna, the business side can be taught, your eye and, and your kind of artistic sense is what uh, gets you going. And that's kind of the, the first step. So after that, Work your ass off and be patient. <laughs> it's a long process. I've been, I mean, I was just looking, we were doing some, some flow game premieres and I was doing the pre-show kind of showing a whole bunch of previous work and I just realized like, I have over an hour of content just from this year of just stuff that I've shot. Just keep working, keep just grinding away at it and creating because that's, that's where the experience comes in. Um, networking. This is probably the single most powerful thing that you can do to move your business forward, move anything forward, is uh, for filmmakers, for creatives, market with both creatives and with business owners. So there's the, the way that we've built in the past four months is I started going to uh, business networking uh, events. I go to three a week. It's a collection of business owners in room and you kind of do your pitch, you kind of talk to people, you build relationships uh, because relationships is how you get work. You you. Just like anything else, it's networking. It's, uh, you know, friends hire friends. That's kind of how, how everything works. Um, so network with, so in your city, go on Facebook, go Google it, go ask, you know, somebody, maybe maybe for, for filmmakers, go to the bigger production companies in town, call them up or go down there and say, hey, uh, what groups are you guys a part of that I could come hang out? Or even go to, to the production company and say, hey, can I hang out a day on set? Just start talking, start you know, building those relationships because that's how it works. Um, from the ground level all the way up to feature films, uh, like all of the major directors, Tarantino, um, uh, Scorsese, they all have their own crews that they pretty much use for every project. They'll hire local PAs, local production assistants of like whatever city they're in, but for the most part, they have the team that they trust. That's how you build it, is, is the people that you know and trust. Um, so once you do that, people are, once you kind of, I love the, uh, Robert Rodriguez kind of had a whole like 10 minute film school. It's basically said, do you have a camera? Do you want to be a filmmaker? Okay, get a business card. Now you're a filmmaker. Now you just need to decide on rates. That's it. So that's, you're, you're a professional. If you can, if you can make something, make a product that's good enough that somebody would be willing to pay for it, you're a professional. Most of you could probably do professional work. I started with the Canon T3i. I ran the business for, I mean, so I got the FS700 here, but that I got probably two years ago and I was renting it for a couple years. I was running the business for four years or so with the T3i. 
successfully, like paying, paying rent. Uh, so it's not about the gear, it's about the eye that you have and what you bring to the table. Um, so starting rates, I'll just tell you, I started at uh, 50 bucks an hour. And for a lot of these, when you start hourly, you know, it may be kind of two hours here, two hours here. You're not gonna, maybe not get full days when you start, but it's, it's something. It's viewing yourself as a professional and having the professional attitude of your clients come first, you make good work, and you are reliable with what you're gonna say. That's like one of the key things for any professional, just a professional mindset is, when you say something, it happens. And you'd be surprised in a whole bunch of different fields how much that is not the case. Uh, the, the businesses that hang around, the, the whole like, uh, most businesses fail before five years, it's because of, that's, it's hard to, to, to keep your word sometimes. You gotta work a lot of hours. Uh, Justin was joking before, the 40 hour a week, I remember my first part-time job. <laughs> like, it takes a ton of effort, uh, nights, weekends, whatever it is, because uh, you're committed to your art. So I got this tattoo, this is a, a lens. Uh, this was my commitment uh, several years ago, many years ago, to only make money as a filmmaker. That was it. I was committed to that, and with that mindset, that's what you have to have. You can't be like, oh, what's plan B? There's no plan B if you really want to make it. You have to put everything you have into this because that's a level of commitment that actually makes it work. Um, so with that, uh, the mindset part of it, one of my favorite song lyrics from a Bliss and Esso song is, I never win or lose, I only win or learn. So you're gonna go through bumps, you're gonna go through hard clients to deal with, you're gonna have all these changes, you're gonna have to kind of deal with this and it's the mindset of you're gonna learn because there's no losing, it's not a possibility. That's, that's the mindset to actually make something work. Um, so the, the growth that we've experienced in the last four months has been going after clients with actual budgets. Um, I was in parkour filmmaking for a long time. I love it. I, it's still, it's a huge passion of mine. But the budgets that I was getting to work with weren't enough to support my family. And when, kind of, when you get the family, it's the, you're, you're, the, the mindset changes because you have it's somebody more than yourself. So I really knew that I needed to, to support them and be there to kind of help out. So going after small businesses, going, getting in rooms with business owners that have actual budgets to play with, they're not, they may not be big. Uh, I mean, we still, we still do stuff. So the kind of is a good uh, segue into how we price now. So we have a, our most popular package is a subscription program. You get monthly videos. We have six month and year contracts. And with that, we're able to kind of drop prices a little bit to help out with small business budgets. So uh, when we started, our lowest was 300 a month. Uh, and when you go to business owners, that's more doable. Uh, so really find, a, find clients that actually have budgets to pay you. That's the first, find a, find a market that actually has money. Uh, if, if you're wanting to kind of, if money is a goal for you. Uh, that's huge. And then, again, what Giles was saying yesterday with mentors, and um, I have two business coaches that I see. I'm going to one, to one tomorrow. It's one of the only reasons I'm leaving here is to go see my business coach because having outside perspective is invaluable, and especially from people that are very successful. Um, that's a huge thing because you, you have the way that you think, but somebody that's pure business-minded and has more many businesses is going to help you so much. 
uh, so much. So that is a worthy investment when you have some money to invest. So that's a bit of our, a bit of our journey. So I've just sat here gaining kind of a lot of information and knowledge from these two, and now I'm feeling a bit kind of blank-headed. So can you can you just kind of start me off with a, a tangent to run on? I think, if, if you didn't hear Justin, he said, what was the main motivation behind starting Motus? I think it was a, a growing interest in the sort of the fashion side of the, the, the parkour sort of industry or whatever we would call it. Um, it was something that I was, I was getting more interested in and I could see that there was potential there and it was far from oversaturated and it still is far from oversaturated. There's so much room for people to come in and create and, and make an impression. And I guess it just resonated with me, it excited me. And I was like, well, what's sort of stopping me from doing this? And it's funny actually, I, I've always wanted to play guitar. I've always wanted to be in a band. And I'm now getting older and older and I still can't play guitar and I'm still not in a band. And I look back at all the times where I kind of had opportunities at school and I never did it. And I'm like, I just remember thinking before I did this, I was like, well, why not? Like literally there is no reason why not? Yes, it's a risk. Yes, it's a bit of investment and things, but there's no actual reason why not. And I know that in five years time, I mean, if I hadn't set up Motus sort of three years ago, I'd be looking at the, the sort of growth of the parkour fashion and I'd be like, damn, like, I could have started then. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the, the driving force behind it really. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll kind of go into the, the initial steps and everything like it, because how many of you here have an interest in potentially starting a brand or have already started a brand? Yeah, so a fair few of you. How many of you actually started a brand already? Yeah, so a good amount. And is it, it's, it's tough, right? Yeah. Um, I think the interesting thing about sort of, I, I think it's, it's similar across all, all of these sort of different things, but I think the gym one is maybe the one where you need potentially the biggest, it's the biggest leap, it's the biggest investment, it's the maybe the hardest thing to start off. Filmmaking, you can do it individually, same with starting a brand. There is obviously some level of initial investment because with a brand, if, I mean, if we're talking about clothing, that means product which then people use their money in exchange to buy that product. So. I mean, that's, that's one half of the brand because a huge, huge, huge part of the brand, almost more important in some regards, um, in, in regards to so many brands, in fact, is there's some brands that are, the brand itself is more important than the product. I don't know where Motus necessarily sits there, but I like to think that I'm trying to hit both sides because I want to be trying to put something, stuff like products out with a decent quality. I don't particularly, who knows of Antisocial Social Club? the like LA streetwear brand, they print on Gildan hoodies and sell for like $200. And if you've heard about this scandal where they had thousands and thousands of people placing orders and they weren't shipping orders out for months because this guy started this company and it basically exploded overnight because people like Kanye and things picked it up and they couldn't grow in time and they were still taking orders. They were still basically taking all the money but not actually delivering. And people are getting these products and they're like the cheapest garments possible, but they have the screen print on the back that says Antisocial Social Club. But I mean, I could go to a screen printer and make that thing, but it's the, 
it's the fact of, in in that regard to the brand so many people wanted that brand because it was like if they actually ended up getting the product which a lot of them didn't there was a level of exclusivity and they paid two hundred dollars for this hoodie even though it was awful quality and brands like that don't typically last i know for a fact the guy who started that brand is essentially that was almost the catalyst to, to gain a load of capital to then do a more serious brand afterwards which i think he's now in the works if, if this sort of thing doesn't demolish his career um but things like that are risky you don't want to just try and create hype around something and not really deliver your promises in regards to product because here in parkour like we have this opportunity to be making really progressive clothing that genuinely can not necessarily it's, it's not it, i don't think clothing is ever going to improve our abilities because we kind of all get that if, if i was suddenly like oh these trousers improve your jump you'd be like no <laughs> but that being said like high quality durable stuff that's maybe kind of wear resistant potentially weather resistant and things like this there's, there's a lot of expansion there there's a lot of movement into the the sort of tech wear scene that we can go into and obviously with that comes price point but i mean still no one is making you I mean, you mentioned kind of lululemon there's like sweaty betty i don't know if you have that out here it's like <laughs> my mum talks about sweaty betty all the time it's like a high-end yoga company in the uk um but they make incredible yoga wear and it's, it's hugely, hugely rated because it, it serves the purpose and they've kind of dominated that. I say niche, but you guys say something else, don't you? Niche, yeah. Um, <laughs> bad English, <sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> That's the but they've, like, they've stepped into that and dominated and their product is really, really good. And behind that, they have a brand that has a solid message and you can go into their stores and actually learn yoga you can in their stores you can set up private workshops with yoga instructors if it's like your first kind of step into yoga and you don't feel comfortable going to a class and things so the brand puts out incredible product but it also has very strong morals and a good direction behind that and i think that's like the most important thing is there's a lot of people who get their friends together and i, I don't think there's anything wrong with this but you need to be fairly analytical of it is <laughs> It's hard to just get like five friends together, put out some YouTube videos, get a thousand subscribers and be like, let's start selling t-shirts. And you'll get a hundred dollars between all of you and buy like 50 t-shirts. And then a few friends might buy them and then you get a bit of money, but you still got a lot of stock sitting there. And then you kind of splurge the money on a new GoPro and then you're back to stare at like square one. It's the business, the, the, the business side of the, the clothing thing, especially in this industry is, is a tough one to take seriously at first because it trickles in. And you need to, you really need to go into it thinking like, okay, this is a business. If we're, if we're going to sell these shirts, this money is then going to be kept within the company to reinvest. Because you look at clothing companies and they make tons of money. Like you could, some of these massive streetwear bands are bringing in huge, huge amounts of money. But if you want to stay progressive, if you want to keep ordering more stock, if you want to be getting into more retailers, you want to be making more technical clothing, the absolute majority of that money has to go back into the clothing. And you have to set appropriate margins to, you sort of, I mean, three quarters of that back into clothing. And then that, the rest of that margin goes into things like sort of marketing, paying salaries, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to take that side of the, the, everything seriously because otherwise you will just destroy yourself very, very early on. Um, but yeah, to, to sort of go back to the, the, oh, we've got five friends, let's make some t-shirts is you might sell a few initially and if you're, if you're, team continues to, to grow, that's great. But I feel like 
it's not essential, but to have any kind of longevity, you need to be thinking about some form of ethos, some form of direction, just so that people, because people buy brands, one, because of the clothing, but two, because they resonate with the brand. So I have certain brands that I really look up to because they resonate with me and sometimes I don't like their products, but if I really like their products, I will buy them and I feel not just like I like the products, but I'm like, I'm supporting a brand that I like. And you might just connect with some people on YouTube. That, that is something. They like you, there might be, you and your friends just might build up a fan base through your personalities, but you, you want to always be trying to look to expand on that, I think, because the more you can connect with your audience, the better your brand reception will be. Um, I feel like I've kind of sporadically rambled across some of those things, but we'll, we'll cover some stuff in the Q&A, but I'll pass it across to Vinny. Um, quick note about friends hiring friends, Noah. Uh, he filmed my wedding, so. <laughs> um, so, it's the why, right? Oh boy, okay. So, um, I guess I'll just kind of start a little bit back, backpedal quite a bit uh, about my personal story real quick and then how that kind of led into um, to what I do now. So I have a disease called cystic fibrosis. Um, it's a long pancreatic digestive disease. Um, it is considered a progressive terminal disease. So um, when I was born, life expectancy was really young. Right now it's probably about 35. Um, just had my 26th birthday, so it's kind of like, all right, <laughs> we're getting there. Um, so, uh, the, so when I was younger, um, I had a lot of, uh, I mean, I was sick all the time. Um, parkour actually helped my health tremendously because I was able to exercise. Um, and what happens in the lungs is basically um, you have these chloride channels that break down mucus in your lungs, right? So you get sick and then your, this mucus produces and you have it kind of thick in your lungs and then it gets broken down, right? Um, and cystic fibrosis, it doesn't get broken down. So I have to do airway clearance um, in order to get that mucus out. And if I don't, um, it can get built up and it can create blockages in the lungs, parts of the lung can die. Um, and it kind of just progresses to the point where you either need a lung transplant or you die. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, you know, I'm kind of lighthearted about it. Obviously that's pretty heavy, but... <laughs> um, uh, so, um, you know, I, I, I would get lung infections and then you go into the hospital for two weeks and they have really heavy antibiotics and they have regimens that you have to stick to. Um, I have daily regimens that I stick to. It takes me about a half hour, 45 minutes, um, to do these regimens. Um, and so that takes up time as well. Um, and so, so I kind of grew up with this, uh, like always taking care of yourself or else you're going to die. <laughs> it's like, you know, so, so that was a focus. So whenever I was in the hospital, um, there were always people there helping me. Like, no matter, uh, I mean, it was the nurses, the CNAs, like every, doctors, they always had such an interest in, in me as a person, right? In my health and in making sure that I would get out of the hospital and be able to live healthy. Um, and including my mom. My mom has been one of the most um, uh, influential people in my life because she is so self-sacrificing um, and unconditionally loving. Like if I, if, I mean, she would skip work for, for two, three weeks and just come to the hospital with me and it would sacrifice for the family and everyone was aware of that. And, um, you know, but, but they were just there for me. And so, so I grew up with that and, um, and I didn't really realize it until I started doing parkour and started traveling. Um, so I started, uh, almost 10 years ago in October. Um, and you know, just like thinking back, I, I mean, I, I know, Noah and Justin, both in the parkour community in Colorado, like I've known them for eight or nine years, so um, it, it's crazy to see where it's at right now. <laughs> but, um, so, 
when I um, when I started parkour and started traveling and started getting to these opportunities because I started when I did um, made YouTube videos and content when I did um, it started to catch the eye of certain people and then I got invited to the first Rebel Art of Motion in the U.S. Um, which was in Tampa and I know Justin did the one in Boston because they had like a dual event um, and that kind of just kickstarted uh, this just waterfall of opportunities um, to be an athlete um, so I competed in uh, five Rebel Art of Motions total and then um, was performing um, and competing um, and just kind of doing little side jobs for, and I was living off that. I mean, at, you know, at 18 years old, when you, you're making $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month off of traveling, spread out throughout the year, it's like, what do you do with that? You just travel more. So I just pretty much reinvested that back into doing more things and, and visiting more events. Um, and it was an incredible experience, and, and I'm so thankful that I had that. But through that journey, um, I was doing it for myself. Like, it was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to travel so that I can do more traveling and have more fun and, like, just enjoy and appreciate and travel. And, like, I, I don't, I think that's an amazing thing, right? That we all have the opportunity to, to choose that path. Um, and so I got to this point, though, um, where I've been doing this for a few years now. Um, and I went on this tour. I was actually traveling for about three months straight. Um, I was in L.A. for the Tempest Pro Takeover. Um, and spent some time up there. I ended up staying there for a month and just kind of hanging out with people, um, training, and then went to Las Vegas area and actually um, had a few performances out there. Um, made some money, and then me and Jeremy Carpenter, Justin Schaefer, um, Daniel Arroyo, Pip Anderson, I don't know if any of you know them anymore, <laughs> we all went, uh, <laughs> we, we went on a tour to Europe. Um, and So we spent a month in Europe, um, and we just we just traveled like the whole idea was that we started at the top of europe and then went down to the like through europe and then back up again um and just spent time teaching workshops training having fun it was all sponsored by wfpf um and then through those three months of travel i realized that how many things i was just doing for myself and pretty much my entire life has been uh people doing things for me so i can live this life that i was living um and what ended up happening it's like this there's just a snap right i i um and and I very much wholeheartedly believe in God. Like, I, I study my Bible. Like, I really, like, it's such a, it's such a divine intervention that my life has been. Um, and there was just kind of this moment, um, and, and I was praying, and it was like, it's kind of like God was like, you're, you're doing this for yourself. Like, uh, let me take you, and let me help you do this for others. Um, and then that transition, and, and it kind of just struck my life, and, like, I pretty much just dropped off the whole I, I literally, like, after that trip, I got home, and I was like, okay, how can I use what I have just experienced in my life for the last few years, and how can I use that for other people? And it was just, like, the most dramatic change that I've ever experienced, and I, like, pretty much stopped, uh, like, dropping content. I stopped, like, I kind of just, like, fell off the face of the earth when it came to, to doing parkour stuff, and then I put my time into other people. Um, and so that's what started Move to Inspire the gym. Um, so... Within, um, it, it was a hard process. It took about a, a year to get in the doors of a space to actually build out. But I, I, I came back to Colorado, um, and I talked to a friend, and I was like, hey, man, I know you're interested in this too. Like, let's, let's build a gym. Let's start it. And so I worked with him over the summer um, in the mountains in Colorado. We pretty much just like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I'm going to share this with you because it's ridiculous. There's these houses in Colorado, okay, like multi-million dollar homes. I mean, like insane 
where they have like carpet that has rabbit tufts in it so that when the air condition is blowing, it looks like there's clouds. You're walking on clouds, right? Like, ridiculous. I was vacuuming patios. Like, I was vacuuming concrete patios because they didn't want us to sweep because it would leave streaks. Like, so I was making $16 an hour doing that. And then at the same time, I was just planning out, like, how are we going to build this gym? What are we going to do? Like, what is, what is our focus going to be? Where is the money going to come from? What about... What are the things that we don't know, which was pretty much everything. Um, so, but I knew that was what I was supposed to do. So um, my, my business partner at the time, we, we, we figured it out. We, got, uh, we ended up having a couple investors. Um, we, got, we started with $20,000. So we really had, like, we were, we were shoestringing it, right? So, so we get, we get $20,000. Um, and then we, so we start going to these, these realtor companies. We're like, hey, we're looking for a space. This is what we're looking for. I mean, at, at 20, I think I was 20... Yeah, I think it was 21, 22. They're like, yeah, right, right. Uh, they wouldn't even give me the time of the day. So if I go and talk to these realtors, they'd be like, yeah, we'll go look at a space. We'll meet you there. We get out of the car. We meet them there for the first time. And, I mean, he just, like, he was so, like, okay, come on, let's go. Like, I, I need to go. I'm wasting my time right now. Like, many times that happened. Um, and then we would, we would submit the applications and, like, try to go through that process. And they would just get denied because it was considered high risk because we're, we're too young. We don't have enough money. You know, like, this... But I'm so glad that all happened because it led us to the place where we're at now, which um, on the news there was a, um, a, a trampoline park opening up in, in our town and they said they had a parkour section. I was like, but we want to do parkour here. <laughs> like, this was, this is, we've been trying to do this for years. And, um, you know, so, so we went and just talked to them. It was just kind of a conversation like, hey, we're, we've been trying to open a parkour gym for a while. Um, just want to know what your plan was and if we can get involved with it. Um, and, and so that's like networking. You know, you just open the door and you, you have that conversation and it creates opportunity. So we started talking to them and they pretty much were like, oh, you are? Cool. What's your plan? Like, you want some space? <laughs> you can build your own parkour gym here and sublease out some space. And it just kind of like fell into our laps because we walked into the door and asked, asked them the right questions. Um, and so within a month, um, we were subleasing out a 5,000 square foot space um, and we built the gym. And so with it, well, from that conversation to doors opening was like a month and a half. Um, so that was, that was an incredible experience. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so we opened up in our gym. It was, it was a really small section. Because we started with such limited capital, we, we started with the necessities. We pretty much just like took, okay, this is what a parkour gym needs, right? Like, the, this is the bare minimum we can get away with. Let's try and start with that. Because generally in your area, at least when we started, people didn't know what parkour was. And so we weren't creating a gym for the market that was there that already had parkour. We were creating a gym for a market that had no idea what was going on. So we were creating a market and telling people what it was and what they needed, to, what they needed from it. Um, and how we could help them to, to progress and be uh, better athletes, better movement people. And then just also this idea that um, it's, you know, parkour is a tool, right? And for so many things. So kind of our philosophy when we started was that um, we're here to teach um, things like, uh, um, like specific, um, I don't know what the right word is for it, <laughs> specific like um, attributes. So we're here to teach like, um, positivity, uh, reinforcement, creativity. We're here to teach um, confidence. We're here to teach community. We're here to teach, the, you know, the, basically the essence of parkour as well as the essence of who we were. Um, and we're using parkour as a vessel to do that. So it wasn't like we were, let's open a parkour gym. It's like, let's open a 
life helping gym. <laughs> and we're gonna use movement as the tool to do that. Um, so uh, in June 27th was our fourth year of business. Um, we've grown every year. We have, right now we have five employees. Um, one of them sitting in the audience right there, my man Victor. <laughs> um, <coughs> and, and, it, and it's kind of just slowly progressed into, um, I mean, we have aerial arts in there now, um, and we've kind of slowly, we've done like uh, tumbling classes, and we kind of like, there's like cheer that's interested in coming into the building and a few other things. So, um, you know, the focus has always been the people, though. Um, it's always been, you know, how can we help you? How can we help you progress in your life? And so through that, um, it just kind of turned into, um, now we have, a, we have a team of kids that we specifically focus on. Like we spend, again, like I said, I think we spend 10 hours with them a week and we just help foster them and we help mentor them. And we, and we try to do that with as many kids as, as want to, you know, and um, I'm starting a youth group there this fall so that we can focus on the kids. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's such a project of just like that, that giving back mentality um, that when that switch happened for me, that's kind of like the why now. So it's, it started out as like, parkour started out as like, well, what can I get from this and how much can I do for myself with this? And, and that's what drove me at first. And then when that switch happened, it's like now the why is everyone else that wants something from this. Like how can, how can I help? And, and this goes for literally anybody and I haven't had a chance to talk to everybody, but if there's something I can do for you, whether it's a connection, it's a conversation, it's, uh, it's you know, you need to get in touch with somebody else, you have questions, like that's what, that's what I want to do with my life and that's what I'm using these, um, these businesses and these structures to do. And now, now we're opening, again, I said um, earlier, there's, a, there's already a youth and special needs focus program in Boulder, but it's out of a gymnastics gym. Um, and so they're limited with their space. They have way too many clients. Um, and I just started talking, Nick and I have been friends, I mean, we've all known Nick Zaleski for eight years as well. Um, and we just started having conversations um, and, and we decided to go in as partners. And so it's, it's called Superhuman Academy. And now we're like less than a year out from, from getting a space and opening a building. And, it, and the focus really is youth and special needs because that's such, a, like such an important thing that movement can provide um, as, as, a, as a catalyst for them to grow and to learn. We've seen it in so many ways, um, just through their program and then through some things that we have at our program as well in Junction. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the why, and that's, that's, you know, and obviously the, the driving factor behind that for me is, is just like God working through me and trying to help as many people as I possibly can in this life and as many people as I can through those, those business models, so, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to open up for Q&A, um, but I do, I do kind of want to wrap um, this kind of all up and just show um, that, I mean, amazing information you got here. And we're all essentially, I mean, you probably heard we're all kind of talking about similar things. But so, like, for example, uh, just kind of segue in, like, with, with the event side, um, okay, my relationship with, uh, with the gym owner is offering a, a kind of a, almost a wholesale thing. Say, hey, how do you feel about having a destination summer camp for your your gym? And we have a few gyms here that uh, Ninja Brand brought a bunch of people. Vinny did as well. Um, Giles is going pee. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Freedom in Motion brought a tremendous amount of people. Right. So it's like, look, you know. So I saw that as like, this is a way I can help benefit from not being a gym owner, not having that kind of overhead. But I know the struggles they have. To say, hey, if you can send X amount of people, um, we'll give you a kind of a wholesale account 
Um, and then you can charge whatever you need to charge on your end to make sure you have a van, make sure you have the right staffing, and, and, you, know, and you can say, I, need, I want to bring five kids. Okay, well, what does that cost? And so that's been really interesting there, and that's kind of my relationship with that. Um, you know, as far as the video side, it's pretty obvious, like, to, to just document and get this out. Like, so, and I, I do my best to just hire uh, people within the parkour community just because if I have the opportunity to do so, I, I would love to do it. Um, you know, as far as the, the clothing brand, like I'm, I'm constantly following Modus. Uh, they're like one of the only companies in parkour that I have them starred. So that in, anytime they put something out, I instantly see it. Um, because I also recognize that if I don't maintain a, a quality of the shirt and we hire Brian Prince for the illustration, he's an illustrator who's also a phenomenal stunt man. Who's also, just, he, there's no one who hates Brian Prince. If you've ever met him, he's just like the most amazing person. 6'10", you can't miss him. He's an amazing human being and I know he's here in spirit. Um, but it, it's like that, and so you know, I, I approach him and I say, "Hey, you know, what would you what would you do with this shirt? Because if you have full creative control, and so it's that. And now, if because if I produce bad quality, people aren't wearing the shirts throughout the year, you know. And so like, I'm like, yeah, like let's let's get the message of it, everything. So I've been very blessed that there's been people to help that, um, you know. And with Vinny, like Vinny's one of the people I call monthly. Sometimes it works, sometimes we're too busy, but just for that same mentorship. Hey, Vinny, here's something I'm thinking. Um, you know, in your experience, is this working? So we're constantly just feeding off of each other and, and understand that these all blend together. Um, so there is this element of, of being a renaissance uh, man or woman, whatever, that's just the kind of term. But um, uh, an, like another thing that I want to, to express too within the crossover. So like a big thing I'm sure a lot of us would, would love, um, especially like the event, is something like our, our own personal kind of you know, um, like a CRM, if you will, like a, like a, a way to, to collect money and waivers and things like that. Because I don't have a gym, it doesn't make sense for me to invest um, in something like a Zen planner or a mind body. If someone could create something that like for a week long event, I could use it and maybe it's like a one time payment, that would be fantastic. As far as, as far as clothing and the tech side of it, I've met with people who have shown me that there is almost Kevlar woven fabric that you can weave into clothing. So for example, imagine if you're training for the first time uh, and you know, parents like, what about shin guards? Imagine if the fabric itself had that woven in. So the first time you go to hit your shin, that would essentially take the impact and it probably wouldn't be usable after that. So I don't know what you could do with that, um, but I thought it was interesting. Imagine if you put that on all of the, the main points that when we roll, um, you know, from a sports performance side, it's like when they introduce the foam pit to motocross, everyone's throwing doubles. Um, so I'm like, that's that's something. I'm like, man, like, I don't know what that would take, but th I think that would be really cool. Um, another one is like, you know, with the Google glasses, things like that coming out. That text out. Imagine if you could stand, and it, and it had measurements, and it would show in real time, like this is the distance between this, and like as you're running, it would show how much fast, like how fast you're going. So imagine like you now know, yeah, I actually need to be running 7.4 miles per hour in order to hit this distance of a jump. It takes away a lot of what parkour is built on, but that's industry, you know, and if that raises the bar to the next level, like just, I don't know, I don't know who's techie, but that's, when I walk around camp, that's mostly what I hear. So, um, and, I'm, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot of this in the queue, and I'm sure you have tons of ideas that I'm not even touching on. Um, so, anyone want to ask the first question? I think I did see Tyler's hand first. Um, so when you were approaching the communities um, and the like, uh, the different low-level governments for this event and whatnot, and you were saying it took some convincing about like what parkour is and like 
I, I know for a fact in my own like trying to look at creating a parkour park in Portland and other things like that, like it starts at that local government and all of them think that we jump off buildings and do crazy like liable things and so like how hard was it to convince them the uh, like the mentality of parkour and the roots and that it's really one of the more safer sports and things like that. Yeah. Um, so at least at least here in Colorado Springs, the big thing was um, uh, I, I looked into what I said. I want to host something at the at the main park, Acacia Park, right in the center of downtown. And so I just started asking. I said, Hey, what what does it take to get a to get a permit for your for your event? And they said, Well, you know X Y and Z. You need you know the biggest thing is insurance. I was like, Okay, so that's the first hurdle on the attack. If I don't have insurance, there's no way I'm going to get a permit. And then. They give you, generally, Parks and Rec will have a whole protocol as far as what you can and cannot do. So if, if we're cooking on site, that's a whole other permit. So that's why we don't, you know, it's mostly like bring food in or we heat it. Or um, if you have vendors that are serving alcohol, that's a whole other thing you got to go through. Um, so I just said, okay, what, what do we have to do? They said, well, you know, when it comes to, I said, what about, I said, what about obstacles? And they said, what do, you, what do you mean obstacles? I'm like, you know, like, I don't know, things like... Uh, like optical course type deal, like, you know, just bringing in, you know, some heavy things where people can kind of just be adventurous, kind of like an adventure sport vibe. And they're like, well, as long as it's not staked down to the ground, um, and as long as we can effectively get it out of there, um, it's not a permanent structure, then, yeah, there's no issue with it. And I said, okay, cool. So um, we expressed that it was a, that it was a park event. Um, obviously, I, I really think having the, the, the fundraising component uh, before, in that paragraph of that write-up, expressing that this is what it's about, um, definitely helps sway a lot of the decision. But yeah, the protocol here was like, just don't, yes. Were you able to call it parkour? Did you have to weasel your way around the wording a bit? Uh, not at all, not at all. No, luckily, because yeah, the, the insurance insured parkour, so yeah, we didn't. Um, yeah, and also Colorado Springs is pretty progressive. Like we have the, one of the largest half pipes that's public. You can go and go down this massive half pipe downtown. Um, so they, they've been, yeah, they, they're really kind of lenient when it comes to that stuff. Um, and actually, just a side note, there's actually two 15-year-olds here uh, that, I mean, this has been on my whiteboard for years, that are opening Colorado's, as far as I know, first parkour park in Manitou. Um, yeah, yeah. Like so, uh, and they, and they, they use Jumpfest as a reference um, as far as, like, the, you know, the, here's an event. So they, so they were uh, effectively, be, they were able to show that, People will travel to this. People will take advantage of that, and it's actually going to be right next to the Manitou Skate Park, which I don't know if you saw that, but um, super awesome. Like that when they they actually told me that during Giles, as we had to uh, go team up. They told me that, and I was like, wow, it's amazing. It's really cool. Hey there, fellow creatives. Conversations with Creators dives deep into the minds of successful filmmakers, artists, musicians, and all-around awesome people. We are looking for some kick-ass sponsors to help us keep this show on the road. If you want to reach a tribe of dedicated listeners who are just as passionate about creating as you are, then look no further. Our audience is full of people who appreciate a good laugh and are always on the lookout for new ways to fuel their creativity. So, Let's team up and create some magic together. We'll work with you to make sure that your brand is showcased in the best light possible. And who knows, maybe we'll even become lifelong friends. Just imagine, years from now, we'll be reminiscing about the good old days when we first teamed up to take the world by storm. Send us an email at noah at snowmanfilms.net to say hey and get the ball rolling. Now back to the episode.
Hello again. Um, just, just one thing on uh, that kind of question that I've noticed is uh, just like when you, when a lot of people will think skateboarding, they immediately think of all the, not only the positives, but the negatives as well. Like you were saying, when you tell parkour and they're like, oh, you jump and flip off things and you climb on people's property and all that kind of stuff. Um, what I have noticed with, because I've had to do a lot of permits for my building or anytime I want to do an outdoor event or various things, and um, most of the people that you work with at the permit location or with cities or with other governments uh, or even other businesses, they may not know what parkour is or they have a very slim view of what it is. Um, uh, usually the mainstream view. So what, what I've noticed works really well is to explain to them uh, what it is using analogies for other sports they already know and generally things that already have a positive connotation attached to them. So um, it's kind of actually my running joke at my gym when I introduce myself to somebody like, what do you do for a living? And it's, I, I assume if they're over the age of 35, there's a decent chance they're not gonna know what parkour is. So I usually try to start with parkour. If they don't know what that is, I go, you know, have you seen American Ninja Warrior? And everybody and their mother loves American Ninja Warrior. Um, and that one has a positive uh, attribute to it because it's not a direct competition. It's people supporting each other and stuff. So I usually start with something like that. Um, if somehow they've missed American Ninja Warrior, I go down to gymnastics, I go down to martial arts gyms. And most people know that martial arts gyms always have codes of conduct. They always have a motto by which they live and they have very uh, like attribute points that are usually very respectful, helpful to the community. Um, so I try to explain to them as a, it's an acrobatic type thing that runs kind of like Ninja Warrior where we're all on the same team supporting each other and has these positive mottos behind it, much like martial arts. Um, so if, if you use things they already know to kind of build a framework, instead of being like, well, it's a bunch of us and we're gonna climb walls and do flips, but we're gonna be good, and we're gonna clean up after ourselves, and hopefully no one lands on their head. Um, you know, people are generally like, ha, ah, that's cool, like, goodbye. Um, so, so using that, that positive framework and building something in their head instead of letting them kind of figure it out on their own and, and create something in their head that it isn't has worked really, really well for me. It's creating content. Uh, hey, just like creating content. <laughs> Oh, I know. I was trying to be, I was trying to be funny, but I, I think I failed. Um, what would you guys say is the most unexpected positive experience or um, thing to come out of your guys' business experiences and stuff, whether it's like an impact on you or others? You can start first. <laughs> so for me, I... I'm going to take a jowls real quick. <laughs> you know, that's not even the first trip where going to the toilet has been referred to as a Giles. <laughs> I have a very small bladder. Um, for me, I initially was like, I don't want to sponsor athletes with the brand until I'm in a position where I can be like, here's a proper monthly salary. But after kind of a year or so, I realized that to really help the exposure of the brand, I needed to sort of bring some guys on board. Um, I am connected to many, many, many kind of big names in the sport, but I, I just try to look kind of to the local scene who are around me, what, like Keelan, who, who lives very close to me, was a guy from my gym, and I, I was like, I always said to him, like in the early days, like I want to sponsor you. Um, and these guys kind of naturally kind of came close to me. And regarding the sponsored athletes, that's the one for me where like, I've now been in a position where I've been able to, because I used to be their age and doing parkour, kind of 15, I used to sit in school and all I'd wish I could do was just go out training. And like, when I was that young, traveling the world, 
nothing existed. There weren't parkour events. Like there was, there was nothing when I was sort of 13, 14, 15. Um, and like taking someone like Max Barker to America and then to the NAPC and he ends up podiuming the speed competition, which is some insane feat. It's like, it's so sick for me that I've been like a catalyst of that, just being able to help other people out. And I really want to try and do more of that. And with the size of the brand, I'm obviously limited on how much I can do at the moment, but to have a positive impact in like young people's lives and specifically that tour we did last year, like the whole incentive of that was basically, I didn't want these guys kind of getting to the end of their kind of 18, they have, they have to go and decide whether or not they want to go to university or get a job and things. And I wanted to just prove to them that there was a solid position for them for them in this sport if they wanted to pursue it and be like, look, you guys have already made an impact. You can continue to make an impact. And like, because I mean, America has this insane growth of, of gyms and things and the communities are just exploding. I just wanted to show that to them and being in a position where I could do that was hugely rewarding for myself because it really felt like I was just helping out a few people and being able to really see it like in their kind of, in their eyes. How was the Giles? But yeah, that that for me is like being able to help out people close to me and really see their it, it help and benefit their lives has been very kind of unexpected and and something that I now really want to do more of. Piggyback off that because it's uh, really the same answer. It's it's the way that we have built successfully with uh, with our clients with the content that we make is. Uh, value add positivity kind of you know what what they can add to the world to kind of bring other customers and clients their way um, what the surprise has been so that's kind of what we built built the business on was I, I, I really am passionate about spreading positivity spreading love spreading kind of uh, helpfulness and that's what marketing should be in my opinion that's how it's actually successful it's not hate campaigns it's not negative it's positive and it's helpful uh, that's kind of what it's turned into it, at least if you're doing it successfully. Um, that's what we try to do with our, our content, what we put out on uh, social media in the kind of the, the vein of Gary Vaynerchuk and Chase Jarvis, uh, really pushing education, pushing value. And the surprise has been actually in the last couple of weeks, I've realized how passionate I am about doing stuff like this, about uh, teaching and helping along the education side and the impact side for the next generation because uh, especially in America uh, and it sounds like overseas as well, the education system, the college system, doesn't teach you how to be a professional. And that's a huge gap. Uh, so that's, I'm really passionate about teaching creators uh, how to actually be successful using our success story, which is what I'm still building, as the example. Uh, so that's been the kind of surprise is, is how passionate I am about, about spreading that and, uh, and helping out for the next generation. Giles' thing is called being a proud dad. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> we're all proud dads here. <laughs> um, I think one of the craziest things uh, for me specifically was when, you know, when you, the idea is that you go in and your, your goal is to help people, right? Like that's going to inherently happen if you're like, my directive is to help people and that'll happen. But I think the craziest thing is when it, when it helps someone on a magnitude and, and things you didn't even imagine that it was going to change in people's lives like I've had parents come up to me and literally in tears because of something that their kid had done 
that they were never previously able to. They, they're just like, we don't know what you guys are doing as instructors, as a team, as a group, but our kid is completely different. Like, they believe in themselves. What did you do? How, did they, how are they, like, actually, you know, they're going from this angry or, like, upset or, like, um, unmotivated child to someone who, who believes in themselves and, like, and at our gym, like, we, I don't know how the culture kind of develops. It's just like the parkour community. You come into our gym, like, you get a hug. Like, you walk in, and it's like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, everyone's hugging. The kids are hugging. They're like, it's super weird sometimes when you first come in there. But then, like, you spend some time there. It's like, man, everybody really, like, they, they care for each other. They love for each other. And, and there's nothing, like, I think I directly did to help create that. But to see that community and to hear parents talk about it and to see them cry, like, just to, it, it's such an emotional thing to, to, and, and that was like one of the biggest surprises. Like I, I was, I inherently knew we were going to be helping people, but not to the magnitude um, that that it did. So uh, that was pretty surprising to me. Uh, so when creating a brand, what are some of the struggles like you went through? Like for me, if I wanted to create a brand, like I was thinking to myself, like who am I to like create this brand, and why would people buy it off me? Like. I think we've all kind of been through that, the why me, why, why do I deserve to do this? Uh, and I think it's, uh, everyone has a unique voice and a unique thing that they can add to the world that only they can add. Uh, that's what I really realized, especially with content, because um, again, the whole nothing is truly new, everything is some sort of combination of other things. It's your spin that you put on it that makes it unique, that makes it what the world needs. Uh, so I think having that mindset and, and just, you build the confidence as you go, but knowing that you do have a voice and, and really within yourself wanting to share that voice is why you deserve to start something. It's having a, create, having a unique idea and, and running with it. Okay, yeah, thanks. Yeah, just kind of a, a big thing see so I think the hardest thing for me was like the the actual dialing down of what that brand entitles right or what it means so or encompasses so what when people see that logo like you're wearing you know a tranquil moon logo or a, a jump fist hat or whatever and people see that um, it's also like what 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 comes up for them and so you know let's say they start asking a question they see us all flipping they say well what's jump fest and I said well yeah if you go you know I'll explain it so well if you go to jumpfest.events um, it's it all like a ton of information there, and if you want to get involved next year, like this is where you can go. And then it's my responsibility to make sure that that website is completely uh, exp explains clearly what our mission is, and, it, and it, everything that they witnessed in person is now being backed up on something that's there for for life, or as long as I keep paying the, <laughs> the subscription for having there. Um, and also too, like you are going to get so many no's. So many people are gonna be like, yeah, like whatever, like don't care. You're gonna go to networkers, you're gonna talk to people, you're gonna talk to parents, parents because they love you, just want you to do safe things, right? Um, so, yeah, but honestly, like a no is so much better than a maybe. Like the second people are like, yeah, 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 and they're just giving you the runaround, like because you will be chasing this fantasy, and so. Like when you start having dialogues with people, like listen to people, like yeah, they're like yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, that's cool, yeah, uh -huh, yeah, cool, cool, like just know. End it there. Exactly. End it there. Find as many no's as you can, because the no's are going to teach you what your your the way you're expressing and the pitch you're giving, and you're starting to, to miss the market you're going after, you know. And um, and yeah, I mean yeah, you're going to get it. I get it from people who come to the event. They 
and I love it. They're kinds of saying, well, I think you could make this change, you could make this change. Granted, they may not even know the logistics. They're just saying, well, you know, like the big one, can you get one more porta potty? Yes, we can get one more porta potty. You know, so it's like it's things like that where the porta potty has nothing to do with the brand, but because I made the change, it's now a better experience overall. So, yeah, just uh, stick stick to your guns and, and make sure that whatever you were saying, like you were leading by example. Because if you know, if you if you set here, you hear the rules of what this company, this this brand represent, and you're the first to start breaking those rules, that's what people remember. You yeah. Know? So. Um, I think one thing that he said that it, I don't want anybody to like kind of gloss over is the nose. Holy crap, they're so important. Uh, I've met so many people that are like, hey, I want to build a gym, you know, and I've been, I've been working there for like nine months and it's just so hard and, you know, they're, and they're ready to give up. Um, this, the, there's, there's a book by a guy come, called Ryan Holiday. Um, I don't know if any of you guys, any of you guys know what stoicism is? It's a, it's a, it's a ancient philosophical system. Um, but the funny thing is it lines up perfectly with kind of what parkour is and the, the, the easiest way to describe it is the name of this book. It's called the obstacle is the way if you didn't have an obstacle in front of you in parkour, you're not going to learn how to get over that obstacle. You are not going to grow as a human physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, however you want to look at it. Every time somebody gets in your way and, and there's a no, every time you try to get a building and it doesn't work, every time you put out a shirt, and people crap all over it. Every time you try to build your brand and people don't want anything to do with it, that that no takes away a huge chunk of stuff that you no longer have to deal with and you start learning ways to overcome that no. You have to build skill sets. Uh, the, the, the more negative reinforcement you get from things, the better you're going to be because you're going to have to widen your skill base to find ways to overcome that no. Um, so love to what is up conversations with creators listeners and watchers uh today's episode is pretty cool it is the uh, jump fest 2018 panel so it is a parkour gathering of a whole bunch of athletes and there's a panel i was on it uh of a bunch of different styles of business so there was a gym owner a clothing designer uh, uh there's obviously me doing video talking about media we all talk about business just kind of tips and tricks for uh, how we've had success teaching the young kiddos uh, from some people that have had some experience. So I really hope you enjoy this Jump Fest 2018 panel. I am one of the speakers and uh, a lot of valuable stuff in here. So enjoy. I believe Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, said it, which is you can never connect the dots looking forward and what's going to work. Only looking back can you see the path and how all the things that you went through actually lead to where you are. Start creating every day, every day. Make something every day, even if it's small. Actually, social media is awesome for this because you can kind of do what's called micro content. You can make something and put it out and get feedback, and that's how you, you learn through the practice of doing it. That's literally the best experience you can have. Viewing yourself as a professional and having the professional attitude of your clients come first, you make good work, and you are reliable with what you're going to say. That what is up conversations with creators listeners and watchers uh today's episode is pretty cool it is the uh, jump fest 2018 panel so it is a parkour gathering of a whole bunch of athletes and there's a panel i was on it uh of a bunch of different styles of business so there was a gym owner a clothing designer uh, uh there's obviously me doing video talking about media we all talk about business just kind of tips and tricks for 
uh, how we've had success teaching the young kiddos uh, from some people that have had some experience. So I really hope you enjoy this Jump Fest 2018 panel. I am one of the speakers and uh, a lot of valuable stuff in here. So enjoy. I believe Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, said it, which is you can never connect the dots looking forward and what's going to work. Only looking back, can you see the path and how all the things that you went through actually lead to where you are? Start creating every day. Every day. Make something every day, even if it's small. Actually, social media is awesome for this because you can kind of do what's called micro content. You can make something and put it out and get feedback, and that's how you, you learn through the practice of doing it. That's literally the best experience you can have. Viewing yourself as a professional and having the professional attitude of your clients come first, you make good work, and you are reliable with what you're going to say. That's like one of the key things for any professional. Just a professional mindset is when you say something, it happens. You look at clothing companies, and they make tons of money. Like you, could, like Some of these massive streetwear bands are bringing in huge, huge amounts of money. But if you want to stay progressive, if you want to keep ordering more stock, if you want to be getting into more retailers, you want to be making more technical clothing, the absolute majority of that money has to go back into the clothing. We're here to teach like uh, positivity, uh, reinforcement, creativity. We're here to teach uh, confidence. We're here to teach community. We're here to teach the, you know, the basically the essence of parkour as well as the essence of who we were. Um, and we're using parkour as a vessel to do that. So it wasn't like we we're, let's open a parkour gym. It's like, let's open a life helping gym. And we're gonna use movement as the tool to do that. Hey, quick question before we get started. Would you like to win a free piece of clothing from Snowman Films and a 30 minute chat about your creative journey with me? I know that I would love to connect with you, and I know that I would have loved to talk with somebody who had experienced a similar path when I was getting started. So let's make it happen. Here's what you need to do. Subscribe to the Conversations with Creators podcast, rate and review and share it in just five easy steps. First, write a review on your preferred podcasting platform and rate it. Five stars for good karma. Then, screenshot your review and share it on social media, tagging Snowman Films. Each month, I'll select one random winner to receive a free piece of clothing from our store and a 30-minute virtual coaching call with me. Again, subscribe, write a review, rate the show, screenshot that review, share it on social media tagging Snowman Films, and get entered into a drawing for that one-on-one -on -one virtual session with me and some free swag. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave me a review. I really appreciate you, and I'm excited to see you in our one-on-one -on -one virtual call soon. Now, let's dive into today's episode. So the big question is this. How are creators like us, who aren't built for the 9 to 5, for the people who put their passion before them being comfortable? How do we turn that passion into a living that pays the bills and a life that we love? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answers. My name is Noah Mittman, and welcome to Conversations with Creators. All right, cool. So welcome, everybody, to the uh, Jump Fest Colorado uh, panel discussion um, that will be hosted on Jump Fest University. Um, so the big inspiration for this one is if you've seen NPR, I have a segment called How I Built This. Um, I listen to it every Monday morning. Um, and, it, and it really inspires me because um, it, it kind of just shows other pioneers and entrepreneurs and most of the time it's it, the guests they have are people who have made it and then at the end of it they do a segment of someone that's like on their way to becoming like a you know serial entrepreneurial powerhouse um, and so what I've asked everyone here 
on this panel is to essentially represent kind of the, the industries that we all think of when we think of parkour and we can start to see uh, kind of how they interlace and like what your paths ultimately um, all five of these industries could use, uh, what services we're looking for um, to help delegate, um, as well as just kind of, and we'll kind of wrap up with, uh, you know, where we feel we kind of got lucky, um, but also what we did to prepare for the opportunity when it presented itself. Um, and then also kind of just give some insight as to where I think each of us will kind of, where we think those industries are going to go. So if you're looking for, you know, what's the new, you know, niche market that you may potentially be able to tap into, we might be able to give some idea. Um, again, I know for me, I'm not going to have a full thought out idea. I just know there's certain services that if they exist, I'd be like, dope. <laughs> um, right. So, um, and that's ultimately how all this starts. So what we'll do is we'll just, we'll go down the line. We'll introduce ourselves and kind of like what industry we'll be primarily representing. Um, we'll kind of go through, like I said, the stories and, and, and kind of the future proofing and then we'll open it up for Q&A. Um, so you can all ask your questions and, and things of that nature. I have an alarm set for 11, so when that goes off, um, that will probably be hope, the last question, and we'll start wrapping up. But um, again, you can always find any of us. Um, we're more than happy to have these conversations. I'm sure everyone up here loves talking shop. So um, yeah, it's like that's what we thrive off of. So I am Justin Schaefer. I am the creator of Tranquil Movement, which is ultimately the, the umbrella lifestyle brand um, that I've had for over a decade. And so it's the, the host um, company for JumpFest and JumpFest University. JumpFest being uh, the transitionary spaced events um, for young parkour practitioners to get to mix and mingle week long um, with, uh, with professionals and, and professional parkour athletes and um, really get to share the expertise. Um, and so there's a certain experience that JumpFest University provides for the people here. And the reason why we document and film this is so that we essentially when people start writing the history books, we can timestamp where leaders of the community thought processes were and so people don't make the same mistakes we do um, ultimately so again my name is justin schaefer and i'll hand the mic over to the other justin hello beautiful people i am the other justin uh, i don't know if that was for me or just because you're also beautiful but i'll take it um is this is this too loud am i too close to this thing it's all right oh, okay cool um this is actually my first time here, so some of you may have known me because I'm loud and obnoxious and I have this poofy hairball on top of my head. Um, but I run a gym called Firestorm Freerunning and Acrobatics in Orange County. We are firmly nestled between all three of the Tempest gyms. Um, and that is how you can find us. Um, uh, we have a, a pretty big program. We run nine different sports, everything from parkour to tramp wall, tricking, tumbling, breakdance, aerial silks, ninja warrior. Uh, you name it, we try to provide equipment so you can do it. Uh, in addition to that, I also run Firestorm, well, I should say my wife runs Firestorm Talent Entertainment. Um, I just help her with it, and that is kind of our talent agency. So a lot of our premier athletes and the people that get really good in the community, they go out and uh, all over from pretty much all over the country, fly out to different places and do performances, do different events, everything from parkour and stunt work to fire spinning and fire breathing, aerial silks, uh, contortionists, pretty much uh, any unique skill set you have, we find a way to monetize it and find a way to make you some money, whether it's uh, on TV, in movies, uh, YouTube channels, everything to just really, really rich people that want entertainment for their backyard parties and show their friends how cool they are. Solid. <laughs> Hi, I am Noah Mittman. I own Snowman Films. Uh, much like Giles, I have a crippling fear of public speaking, so bear with me. <laughs> um, 
So, Snowman Films, I've uh, been in the parkour community for 10 plus years. Uh, we've done all of the video marketing for Jump Fest through the years. Uh, except for last year, we kind of branched out a little bit, let some other people have some creative stuff. Uh, started, so I've been a filmmaker for 12 years. Uh, started the company six years ago and uh, mixed freelance work and parkour stuff kind of for several years. Uh, then, 15 months ago, I had a son. And uh, that kind of changed perspective a little bit. Uh, we were doing, I was in charge of the Flow Game project uh, last year. And come January or so this year, kind of switched over because of having the family and kind of having some responsibility that's greater than myself, uh, switched over to small business uh, marketing in terms of like the primary focus of the company. And uh, we really found a niche. We've uh, grown 8x in the last four months. And uh, the company, yeah, it's, big. <laughs> it's been uh, delegation, like Jaws was talking about, has is, is been my life for the last two months. Uh, we actually now have five or six people involved in the company, and it's grown every month, and uh, really excited for where we're going in the future. So small business marketing, and have a lot of parkour experience as well. No Mitman with Snowman Films. Hello. <laughs> Giles Campbell-Longley. Um, I'm glad you're the video guy because you know your stuff <laughs> compared to me. Uh, I am. Uh, I was a. I was a filmmaker. I now focus on running my brand, which is a, a, a clothing brand called The Most Projects, which is focused on obviously making clothing, but also I want to build the brand in a direction that, as it grows, I can do more with the kind of the profits and the outreach and, and everything like this, and, and try to put on events like this and, and just generally try and lead by example and do kind of progressive things within our community. Um, I also sponsor a number of athletes who in their own right are incredibly talented and have helped me grow the brand. Um, and yeah, it's all good. It's all fun. <laughs> You're so British. <laughs> uh, my name is Vinnie Coriel. Um, born and raised in Colorado. I opened a business called Move to Inspire, um, a gym four years ago. We had a brand about three years before that. Um, and it's kind of turned into this um, opportunity to basically use what we have uh, to help character development. So um, a big focus of the gym that we have right now um, is our core team. So we, we kind of foster you know, kids when they're starting in parkour and then we give them more opportunities to do more things. So um, there's one group of athletes that we spend probably 10 hours a week with, um, just training them, um, helping them, mentoring them. Um, and that's a big focus of Move to Inspire. And then um, I'm also partnering with uh, Nick Zaleski from Boulder, Colorado. And we're opening up a, um, the first youth and special needs parkour gym. Um, and that's gonna be the focus of that. Uh, so um, and then I also just, with my wife, we just opened um, a Christian performing arts company um, that focuses specifically on working with people. Um, and so we, we perform with parkour, with dance, um, written word, uh, musical instruments, and, and the focus of that is to, um, to just build a community and to help people. So our, our focus is really, really, really on um, just working with people, building people up, um, showing them, you know, just just where their path is going to lead um, and and you know how can we help you to help other people it's kind of just like that discipleship furthering helping more and more and more and more um, so that's kind of my my role in all this <laughs> uh, 
Awesome. Cool. So the, the big kind of parkour industry that, um, I guess, that what I get questions for all the time is, is, is events. Go figure. Um, and so, yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of start with uh, the need that I saw. Um, obviously, the, the why was um, losing, my, losing my aunt to breast cancer was the ultimate, uh, the driving force as to why I wanted to create an experience. Um, as far as how the event thing came about is I, I was doing, uh, obviously going to parkour events. Um, my first actual parkour event was a competition in Germany. Um, so I had competed in parkour before I had ever gone to a jam. Um, and so, but when I went to jams, what I noticed was, um, and again, this was, this was at a time where if you did any types of flips, uh, that was not okay. You were you were for sure gonna die, and you need to get out of here, type of thing. So, you know, flips about parkour was was the big debate at the time, um, and so um, naturally, that's going to create kind of a, a division. It's going to create, you know, for lack of a better word, a segregation within that environment. Um, and so, but instead of just being like, whoa, whoa, what's wrong? Like I just kept forcing my way in there, you know, smiling and joking around, and just proving that I'm here to have fun and here to help. Um, but I noticed that, of course. Um, whoever you drove up with was essentially who you kind of stuck with, right? Because either you're dependent on for rides, like you need to go get food, everyone's kind of sleeping on someone random's floor. Um, you know, at that time, like social media, like Facebook really wasn't a platform to like educate people as to where to go. Like, so there's communication was always a breakdown. So I said, well, when I create an event, I want to make sure that everyone stays in the same place. And I knew that if we provided food, to a certain extent, they would become dependent on us because now it's communal. Yeah, right? So, um, so yeah. So the so the first year, um, you know, I it was important to uh, to understand this because I think, you know, again, if this is you know your first interaction with Jump Fest or you're kind of new to this, um, it's it's easy to interpret as like, oh, it's just always been this epic and awesome. Um, and I, I think the epicness and like the camaraderie has always been there, but. Um, you know, so I was 20 years old when I started putting this together. Um, at the time, I was working a part-time job coaching for, I don't know, like 850 an hour. So I, effectively, I was making $800 a month. Uh, had an apartment with three roommates. Uh, riding my bike three miles to the gym, <laughs> and then three miles back, um, all while trying to create this event. So I do want to specify that in the beginning phases, uh, the big theme of sacrifice was. was definitely a very prominent thing um, and also while being a competitive parkour athlete signed with WFPF so I was traveling the world either competing or doing tours um, you know and then 2010 was my first invite to the Red Bull Art of Motion and that was before Art of Motion was paying for athletes to fly over there so having to also do that so again my if you've heard me around camp like the big and versus or um, I'm definitely a big and guy I'm doing this and this and this and this. And then the next part of that is learning also how to not always be a yes man and learn when to say no. Um, and, and the hardest part when you're starting a new event um, is because in this, I mean, in this day and age, like you can kind of shoestring things, but just my biggest recommendation is, is it's, it's hard to just come out the gate swinging with a price point that's going to effectively do it, um, like right out the gate. Um, but, you know, there are so many permits that I have to apply for. There are so many, you know, conversations with insurance companies that I have to have. And, and they raise their prices every year. So I'm constantly, like, in this state of I got I to gotta kind of figure out what's going on. I think, I think the biggest part where I lucked out is that I lived in Colorado. So, and there's always been extremely talented people in Colorado from all walks of, you know, life and, and the parkour um, spectrum. Um, and so 
that definitely helped push that. But I, I truly think that you could mimic um, an event of this caliber and this size anywhere in the U.S. Now, I think I think we're all really well connected, and um, and I think jams are much more comfortable thing. People understand um, where they're going. Um, so, uh, my biggest recommendation is first um, talk to your local. Uh, government, the Parks and Rec. Um, so you may have noticed like no police officers have essentially come in and stopped us. Um, it's because we've created the repertoire, we educate them, um, you know, they know every year I go to them for a noise permit, so when we're at Acacia Park, um, you know, we can we can be there till the wee hours of the night um, and, and no one will complain. We go and we educate every single local uh, company, um, every essentially every person we work with on Jump Fest with the merchandise and it, like, it's all local vendors so they really support the parkour event because every year they know that they have a check coming um, in exchange for their service um, and so they, they've actually been you know more of the lenient ones of you know they they tend to give us deals you know and so all of a sudden like you know I, I put a, a, an order in for 50 more shirts and they only charge me 50 more dollars like I know they're losing money on that but they're like, hey, you know, we've been working with you for eight years, so we'll throw you a deal. Um, so definitely start local. They will start to educate you on um, you know, what, what kind of permits and processes need to get um, involved. Um, as far as insurance, um, yeah, ultimately, from, from the research I've, I've, I've gathered, pretty much all of us, um, in the U.S. at least, if we're, if we're using insurance, we're all working with the, the same underwriter. It's all coming from the same individual or company that can actually write certificates of insurance depending on who sells it to us it may, it may be usa parkour it may be somebody else but ultimately we're all kind of going to the same the same person which is good because the more people that get involved with that insurance and the more money that gets put in there and the less claims we have ultimately that insurance gets cheaper and more affordable for all of us um, and i'm sure justin can touch on that a little bit more in, in regards to the in, in regards to the gym thing um, um yeah so I, I have a firm stance that if you go to a parkour event, um, at least with Jump Fest, uh, if you come to Jump Fest and you effectively do not do a single jump or a single flip, you got the point. <laughs> like, um, I don't need to tell parkour people to go do parkour. They will, I mean, yeah, you guys are jumping into pools in here that, and, and you know, guys go get trampolines and set up things. So like, that's, that should never really be the focus unless unless that's what you're going after. And then it's like, you know, and then all the marketing pushes towards when you're here, you're gonna throw down. So we're, you know, we're always trying to take the stance of like, we're here for your personal development, your growth, and, I, and, I, and my, my sole purpose each year is to find individuals that are in line with that to help create that experience. So I'll, um, and, then, yeah, and then as far as the future of Jump Fest, uh, you know, tomorrow we will be revealing uh, two teaser trailers for the, the, two jump, the two additional Jump Fest that will be happening this year. Um, so I'm nervous and I'm excited. Um, yeah. With that, with that being said, um, I'm going to hand the mic over to Justin, and, and he can kind of share his his story. Oh man! Hello again, everybody. Woo! <laughs> um, so there is just so many avenues I can go, and, and so much to cover. So I'm just going to ramble for a little bit, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you'll get something worthwhile out of it. Um, I'm really curious. Raise your hand in the audience if you either if you if you own a gym by any chance. Maybe out there. Yeah, yeah. You're not in the audience. Okay, uh, raise your hand if you're a coach of some sort at any level. 
Holy crap, that's like half of you. That's awesome. That's, that's super duper cool. You guys get to share your knowledge, you get to do something you love, and hopefully you get to make a, a livable amount of money off of it, shall we say. Um, I'm gonna age myself a little bit here, but just to, just to put Justin down a notch, uh, I started at $8 an hour when I was a coach, so pretty cool. Sorry, um, I was also 13 at the time, so they definitely were paying me minimum wage. Um, my background is uh, I, was a, I was a dirty, dirty gymnast growing up. Uh, so I did gymnastics from the age of uh, six until I was about 12. Uh, broke my spine when I was 12. So that kind of uh, took me out of competitive gymnastics. Um, started coaching after that. I did cheer, I did high diving throughout high school and college. I just liked to do flips and jump off stuff. It was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't even discover parkour till I was 22 or 23. And for the first year I trained it, I trained it at a gymnastics gym at open gyms where there was a group of like eight guys doing these crazy vaults and weird flips that I had never seen before. Remember the first time I, uh, you guys know who Josh Yaden is? Yeah. yeah, he taught me my first pimp flip like a decade ago and I was like, what is this? That's not a flyaway, what are you doing? <laughs> um, if you guys know who Andy Lee is, he was the world tricking champion a couple years ago. Um, I met him like a decade ago, I saw him do a cart, uh, was it, a cart cork. And I was like, man, that dude's tumbling is so whack. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I actually went over to him, I was like, hey man, do you want some help with your round off? And he's like, no, it's called tricking. And I was like, no, it's called bad tumbling. Um, so it was, this has been a very unique experience because I came from a very different background. Um, but I just, <laughs> I just really love doing different flips. Um, and so as I met all these different all these different, uh, you know, like trickers and free runners on this stuff, and my mind went from from a very narrow understanding of kind of acrobatics with gymnastics to this this much wider, bigger world. And it was so cool and so amazing, and it didn't matter how good you got at anything. You know, you'd be like, I could triple cork, you know, and that's cool. But somebody over here can do like handstand on somebody else's hands. It was just super amazing. Um, and so I started coaching gymnastics at the age of 13, and that kind of moved out to coaching high diving, cheer, tumbling, trampoline, wall tramp. Um, I got very lucky because I got a really good um, coach who trained me how to coach when I was very young. Um, a guy that I doubt any of you would know, but his name's Sam Tribble. He's one of the best serial artists in the world, if any of you guys know what serial is. It's like a giant metal hula hoop. This is a guy that is, is 55, and he can hang upside down on rings and do a reverse muscle up to handstand on rings. Upside down. It's just, it's just mind boggling. Um, yeah, right? That's what I said when I saw it. I was like, crap, you're in your 50s, you can do that. I, I'm supposed to be in my prime, it's not even close. Um, but basically I saw all these amazing people um, and the only place that they would get together, because uh, like parkour people will go outside, right? But a lot of tumblers don't go outside. There are those that do, and same thing with trickers. But there's so many different things that you need interesting apparatuses for, um, and that it's an easy place to meet up is the gym. It's, it's where you go, you meet up, you meet all these new people, and you, you then decide to go train outside, or you, you learn something new. It's just, it's kind of a communal setting, like what Justin's created here. It's all these new people. Um, and so I've been coaching until, uh, at that point, until the age of about 25. Uh, I graduated college with an engineering degree. And I got really fat. I got really fat because I was sitting in a cubicle all day working on a computer and I was 230 pounds. I, uh, I went from being uh, a national champion in a couple sports and a state champion in high diving to two years later being 40 pounds overweight and hating my life. Uh, having the opportunity to make a lot more money, but uh, I can tell you that the money is not gonna help you then. Um, and it it basically made me start having to get into this wider community and start training more. And when I met all these different people doing all these different things, 
uh, there was a, a guy who was his second time ever coming to an open gym. He did a front flip off of a tumble track to a mat and he, he broke his knee. Uh, it wasn't even because he landed wrong. He got his foot kind of stuck in the mat and he jerked it to try to get it out, broke his own knee. Unfortunately, that gym was not very well run and they didn't have a waiver form for the guy. They had to settle out of court and they lost a lot of money and they had to shut down their open gym program. Uh, this was the, the only adult and uh, teenage training open gym in, in all of Orange County, if you guys know where that is, between LA and San Diego, which is where I'm from, where my gym is. Uh, and because of this, um, this open gym that was five nights a week, this community center kind of, that had about, a, on, on the best days, had about 100 people in it, on the worst days, had about 60 people getting together to train every single night, uh, suddenly shut down. And there was no place for all these different people to go. Uh, so at that point, I'd already been working on my gym idea a little bit. Uh, it took about two and a half years to get off the ground. Um, especially, you know, seven or eight years ago, if you try to convince people, before Ninja Warrior became huge, before all these things that are well known publicly, if you're like, yeah, so will you please give me a quarter million dollars because I want to create a business where people do flips for a living. And people look at you like you're insane. Uh, so it took about two and a half years to get off the ground. Uh, we actually did not get anywhere close to that amount of money, and we had to start our gym with about $30,000, all volunteers. Um, for the first 18 months, I got three days off, and I worked 16-hour days, and they were only because I had the flu. Uh, but over time, your passion will... If, you, if you're passionate about something, that will very, it's like, it's like Bondo. It will just cover all your other little, uh, little issues and stuff because people will be attracted to that passion and want to join your team. And I got very lucky that very early on, I got a very strong team of people that believed and they were willing to work for me for three months in our gym for zero dollars, <laughs> simply for being able to train and run private lessons and stuff. Um, and uh, due to all those beautiful people, and about two months of uh, sleeping in a foam pit as we built our gym. We got it off the ground. Um, and then over the last five years, we went from, from starting, we got very lucky when we started because I had been coaching in that area at that point already for 15 years. So I was fairly well known in my area. And uh, that got me about 50 to 75 signups within the first month, which allowed us to very quickly pay our bills. Um, and by bills, I mean things like rent, insurance, utilities, not like, hey coaches, here's a bunch of money. It was more like, do we have enough money to buy us all pizza tonight so we have some food? Yeah, okay, that's cool, that's nice, we like eating food. Um, but since then it's grown to where, and I could very well be wrong, so please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for a single gym in the United States, I think we have the, the largest membership. Uh, right now, we just lost 100 members because of summer and summer sports, and in California, water sports are really big in the summer but we have about 700 members in our program. We run 160, 65 classes a week. Uh, we have 28 coaches, um, yeah, five managers, six like almost full-time office people. It's ridiculous. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is you, it's, I believe Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple said it, which is you can never connect the dots looking forward and what's gonna work, only looking back can you see the path and how all the things that you went through actually lead to where you are. If I had got a job teaching gymnastics when I was young, if I hadn't broken my spine, I never would have started coaching. I would have kept competing. And if I hadn't started coaching, 
I wouldn't have learned if I hadn't met these weird guys doing these vault things that I had never seen before. I wouldn't have been introduced to parkour. Uh, that wouldn't have brought me to this wider community. It wouldn't have introduced me to the right people to help me build the gym and give us the money that we needed. And it wouldn't be at a place where I'm lucky enough that I can afford to have 28 people who make their living doing parkour or the acrobatics of their choice. Um, so, yeah, man, if you guys are coaches out there and that's what you want to do in a place you want to get to, um, just know that it's not fast, but as long as you keep looking for every opportunity. I, I know, especially if, if you're not a person who's really into business and you hear the things like marketing and insurance and things like that, you're just like, oh my God, shut up. Um, it's tough, but the sooner you start looking into those things and trying to understand and build your base, not of just friends, and of skills like in parkour, but skills in a wider sense in the world, building your knowledge base, always trying to learn. You don't have to just learn in school, you can learn everywhere and from everyone. Everyone sitting around you right now has a superpower. Everyone out here knows something they're really good at that you don't know crap about, and if you had that information, you'd be a better human being overall. Um, so if there's one thing I could leave you with today, it's just talk to people and find out what they're passionate about, because you never know when that thing five years from now is gonna come back or that connection is gonna come back and hook you up and help make your dreams a reality. Network. Yeah, networking. I'll go more into networking as well. So uh, I also wanna start off with a couple questions. Uh, raise your hand if you are a filmmaker or want to be a filmmaker. You're getting there. I, I still haven't gotten there in my opinion. So it's 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 not a destination. This is kind of the classic saying, it's not a destination, it really is a journey. And the way that you enjoy it is you enjoy the journey. Uh, you enjoy every slip, every stumble, every triumph. Um, it is a hard road like Jaws was talking about. This is if you want to be a professional creative, that kind of put a little list together of like the progress, the, the kind of evolution that, that we've gone through and that I've gone through. So um, starting off, before you kind of get to the professional level, if you're like, I started with just filming parkour videos with friends, just kind of having the camera in my hand. Like I'm sure a lot of you do. It's just kind of started with fun and a hobby. And uh, I remember there was a very fateful day uh, in, God, it was years ago. Who, who remembers the video, um, Something Different with Brian Taylor? Anybody? Yeah, a couple people. So way back in the day, we were filming that, and that was the day he came to me, and he was like, you understand that you could do this professionally, right? And that was like a little light bulb. I was like, oh, that's an interesting thought. And that was, I mean, more than six years ago. Uh, that was a long time ago. So what it starts with is practice. Uh, start creating every day. Every day. Make something every day, even if it's small. Actually, social media is awesome for this because you can kind of do what's called micro-content. You can make something and put it out and get feedback, and that's how you, you learn through the practice of doing it. That's literally the best experience you can have uh, is just pick up a camera and try some stuff out. Um, once you do that for a lot, kind of get a, a reel together. So a reel is kind of a collection of your favorite shots, your favorite kind of projects. And for me, when I look to hire... I don't care about a resume at all. I, I, I literally, people send me resumes, I don't even open the file, I just look at their reel. I'll know within about 30 seconds whether or not I'm gonna hire somebody uh, based off of the quality of their work because that's really 
when it comes down to it, your craft is what's going to, the business side can be taught, your eye and, and your kind of artistic sense is what uh, gets you going. And that's kind of the, the first step. So after that, work your ass off and be patient. <laughs> it's a long process. I've been, I mean, I was just looking, we were doing some, some flow game premieres and I was doing the pre-show kind of showing a whole bunch of previous work and I just realized like I have over an hour of content just from this year of just stuff that I've shot. Just keep working, keep just grinding away at it and creating because that's, that's where the experience comes in. Um, networking. This is probably the single most powerful thing that you can do to move your business forward, move anything forward, is uh, for filmmakers, for creatives, market with both creatives and with business owners. So there's the, the way that we've built in the past four months is I started going to uh, business networking uh, events. I go to three a week. It's a collection of business owners in room. And you kind of do your pitch, you kind of talk to people, you build relationships. Uh, because relationships is how you get work. You, you, just like anything else, it's networking. It's, uh, you know, friends hire friends. That's kind of how, how everything works. Um, so network with, so in your city, go on Facebook, go Google it, go ask, you know, somebody, maybe, maybe for, for filmmakers, go to the bigger production companies in town, call them up or go down there and say, hey, uh, what groups are you guys a part of that I could come hang out or even go to, to the production company and say, hey, can I hang out a day on set? Just start talking, start you know, building those relationships because that's how it works. Um, from the ground level all the way up to feature films, uh, like all of the major directors, Tarantino, um, uh, Scorsese, they all have their own crews that they pretty much use for every project. They'll hire local PAs, local production assistants of like whatever city they're in, but for the most part, they have the team that they trust. That's how you build it, is, is the people that you know and trust. Um, so once you do that, people are, once you kind of, I love the, uh, Robert Rodriguez kind of had a whole like 10 minute film school. It's basically said, do you have a camera? Do you want to be a filmmaker? Okay, get a business card. Now you're a filmmaker. Now you just need to decide on rates. That's it. So that's, you're, you're a professional. If you, can, if you can make something, make a product that's good enough that somebody would be willing to pay for it, you're a professional. Most of you could probably do professional work. I started with the Canon T3i. I ran the business for, I mean, so I got the FS700 here, but that I got probably two years ago and I was renting it for a couple of years. I was running the business for four years or so with the T3i successfully, like paying, paying rent. Uh, so it's not about the gear, it's about the eye that you have and what you bring to the table. Um, so starting rates, I'll just tell you, I started at uh, 50 bucks an hour. And for a lot of these, when you start hourly, you know, it may be kind of two hours here, two hours here. You're not going to maybe not get full days when you start, but it's, it's something. It's viewing yourself as a professional and having the professional attitude of your clients come first, you make good work, and you are reliable with what you're going to say. That's like one of the key things for any professional. Just the professional mindset is when you say something, it happens. And you'd be surprised in a whole bunch of different fields how much that is not the case uh the, the businesses that hang around the, the whole like uh most businesses fail before five years it's because of that's it's hard to, to, to keep your word sometimes you got to work a lot of hours uh justin was joking before the 40 hour week i remember my first part-time job <laughs> like it takes a ton of effort 
uh, nights, weekends, whatever it is, because uh, you're committed to your art. So I got this tattoo, this is a, a lens. Uh, this was my commitment uh, several years ago, many years ago, to only make money as a filmmaker. That was it. I was committed to that, and with that mindset, that's what you have to have. You can't be like, oh, what's plan B? There's no plan B if you really want to make it. You have to put everything you have into this because that's a level of commitment that actually makes it work. Um, so with that, uh, the mindset part of it, one of my favorite song lyrics from a Bliss and Esso song is, I never win or lose, I only win or learn. So you're gonna go through bumps, you're gonna go through hard clients to deal with, you're gonna have all these changes, you're gonna have to kind of deal with this and it's the mindset of you're gonna learn because there's no losing, it's not a possibility. That's, that's the mindset to actually make something work. Um, so the, the growth that we've experienced in the last four months has been going after clients with actual budgets. Um, I was in parkour filmmaking for a long time. I love it. I, it's still it's a huge passion of mine. But the budgets that I was getting to work with weren't enough to support my family. And when, kind of, when you get the family, it's the, your, your, the, the mindset changes because you have it's, somebody more than yourself so I really knew that I needed to, to support them and be there to kind of help out so going after small businesses going getting in rooms with business owners that have actual budgets to play with they're not they may not be big uh, I mean we still we still do stuff so the it kind of is a good uh, segue into how we price now so we have a, our most popular package is a subscription program you get monthly videos, we have six month and year contracts, and with that we're able to kind of drop prices a little bit to help out with small business budgets. So uh, when we started our lowest was 300 a month. Uh, and when you go to business owners, that's more doable. Uh, so really find, a, find clients that actually have budgets to pay you. That's the first, find a, find a market that actually has money. Uh, if, if you're wanting to kind of, if money is a goal for you. Uh, that's huge. And then, again, what Giles was saying yesterday with mentors, and um, I have two business coaches that I see. I'm going to one, to one tomorrow. It's one of the only reasons I'm leaving here is to go see my business coach because having outside perspective is invaluable, and especially for people that are very successful. Um, that's a huge thing because you, you have the way that you think, but somebody that's pure business-minded and has run many businesses is going to help you so much. Uh, so much. So that is a worthy investment when you have some money to invest. So that's a bit of our, a bit of our journey. So I've just sat here gaining kind of a lot of information and knowledge from these two, and now I'm feeling a bit kind of blank-headed. So can you can you just kind of start me off with a, a tangent to run on? I think, if, if you didn't hear Justin, he said what was the main motivation behind starting Motus. I think it was a, a growing interest in the sort of the fashion side of the, the, the parkour sort of industry or whatever we would call it. Um, it was something that I was, I was getting more interested in and I could see that there was potential there and it was far from oversaturated and it still is far from oversaturated. There's so much room for people to come in and create and, and make an impression. And I guess it just resonated with me, it excited me, and I was like, well, what's sort of stopping me from doing this? And it's funny, actually, I, 
I've always wanted to play guitar. I've always wanted to be in a band. And I'm now getting older and older, and I still can't play guitar, and I'm still not in a band. And I look back at all the times where I kind of had opportunities at school, and I never did it. And I'm like, I just remember thinking before I did this, I was like, well, why not? Like, literally, there is no reason why not. Yes, it's a risk. Yes, it's a bit of investment and things, but there's no actual reason why not. And I know that in five years' time, I mean, if I hadn't set up Motus sort of three years ago, I'd be looking at the, the sort of growth of the parkour fashion, and I'd be like, damn, like, I could have started then. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of the, the driving force behind it, really. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll kind of go into the, the initial steps and everything. Like, it, because how many of you here have an interest in potentially starting a brand or have already started a brand? Yeah, so a fair few of you. How many of you actually started a brand already? Yeah, so a good amount. And is it, it's, it's tough, right? Yeah. Um, I think the interesting thing about sort of, I, I think it's, it's similar across all, all of these sort of different things, but I think the gym one is maybe the one where you need potentially the biggest, it's the biggest leap, it's the biggest investment, it's the, maybe the hardest thing to start off. Filmmaking, you can do it individually, same with starting a brand. There is obviously some level of initial investment because with a brand, if, I mean, if we're talking about clothing, that means product which then people use their money in exchange to buy that product. So, I mean, that's, that's one half of a brand because a huge, huge, huge part of the brand, almost more important in some regards, um, in, in regards to so many brands, in fact, is there's some brands that are, the brand itself is more important than the product. I don't know where Motus necessarily sits there, but I like to think that I'm trying to hit both sides because I want to be trying to put something, stuff like products out with a decent quality. I don't particularly, who knows of Antisocial Social Club? The like LA streetwear brand. They print on Gildan hoodies and sell for like $200. And if you've heard about this scandal where they had thousands and thousands of people placing orders and they weren't shipping orders out for months because this guy started this company and it basically exploded overnight because people like Kanye and things picked it up and they couldn't grow in time and they were still taking orders. They were still basically taking all the money but not actually delivering. And people are getting these products and they're like the cheapest garments possible but they have the screen print on the back that says that's social social club. But I mean, I could go to a screen printer and make that thing but it's the... It's the fact, of, in, in that regard to the brand, so many people wanted that brand because it was like, if they actually ended up getting the product, which a lot of them didn't, there was a level of exclusivity and they paid $200 for this hoodie, even though it was awful quality. And brands like that don't typically last. I know for a fact the guy who started that brand is uh, essentially, that was almost the catalyst to, to gain a load of capital to then do a more serious brand afterwards, which I think he's now in the works if, if this sort of, thing doesn't demolish his career um, but things like that are risky you don't want to just try and create hype around something and not really deliver your promises in regards to product because here in parkour like we have this opportunity to be making really progressive clothing that genuinely can not necessarily it's, it's not it, I don't think clothing is ever going to improve our abilities because we kind of all get that. If, if I was suddenly like, oh, these trousers improve your jump, you'd be like, no. <laughs> but that being said, like high quality durable stuff that's maybe kind of 
wear resistant, potentially weather resistant, and things like this. There's, there's a lot of expansion there. There's a lot of movement into the, the sort of tech wear scene that we can go into. And obviously with that comes price point. But I mean, still no one is making, you, I mean, you mentioned kind of Lululemon, there's like Sweaty Betty, I don't know if you have that out here, it's like, <laughs> my mum talks about Sweaty Betty all the time, it's like a high-end yoga company in the UK. Um, but they make incredible yoga wear and it's, it's hugely, hugely rated because it, it serves the purpose and they've kind of dominated that, I say niche, but you guys say something else, don't you? Niche, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But they've like they've stepped into that, dominated, and their product is really, really good. And behind that, they have a brand that has a solid message, and you can go into their stores and actually learn yoga. You can in their stores, you can set up private workshops with yoga instructors if it's like your first kind of step into yoga and you don't feel comfortable going to a class and things. So the brand puts out incredible products, but it also has very strong morals and a good direction behind that. And I think that's like the most important thing is there's a lot of people who get their friends together and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with this but you need to be fairly analytical of it is it's hard to just get like five friends together put out some YouTube videos get a thousand subscribers and be like let's start selling t-shirts and you'll get a hundred dollars between all of you and buy like 50 t-shirts and then a few friends might buy them and then you get a bit of money but you still got a lot of stock sitting there and then you kind of splurge the money on a new GoPro and then you're back to stare it's like square one it's the business the, the, the business side of the, the clothing thing especially in this industry is is a tough one to take seriously at first because it trickles in and you need to you really need to go into it thinking like okay this is a business if we're if we're going to sell these shirts this money is then going to be kept within the company to reinvest because you look at clothing companies and they make tons of money. Like you could, uh, some of these massive streetwear bands are bringing in huge, huge amounts of money. But if you want to stay progressive, if you want to keep ordering more stock, if you want to be getting into more retailers, you want to be making more technical clothing, the absolute majority of that money has to go back into the clothing. And you have to set appropriate margins to, you sort of, I mean, three quarters of that back into clothing. And then that, the rest of that margin goes into things like sort of marketing, paying salaries, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to take that side of the, the, everything seriously because otherwise you will just destroy yourself very, very early on. Um, but yeah, to, to sort of go back to the, the, oh, we've got five friends, let's make some t-shirts is you might sell a few initially and if, if your team continues to, to grow, that's great. But I feel like it's not essential, but to have any kind of longevity, you need to be thinking about some form of ethos, some form of direction, just so that people, because people buy brands, one, because of the clothing, but two, because they resonate with the brand. So I have certain brands that I really look up to because they resonate with me and sometimes I don't like their products, but if I really like their products, I will buy them and I feel not just like I like the products, but I'm like, I'm supporting a brand that I like. And you might just connect with some people on YouTube. That that is something. They like you. There might be you and your friends just might build up a fan base through your personalities. But you, you want to always be trying to look to expand on that. I think because the more you can connect with your audience, the better your brand reception will be. Um, I feel like I kind of sporadically rambled across some of those things, but we'll we'll cover some stuff in the Q and A. But I'll pass it across to Vinny. Um, quick note about friends hiring friends, Noah. Uh, he filmed my wedding, so. <laughs> um, so, it's the why, right? Boy, okay. So, um, 
I guess we'll just kind of start a little bit back, backpedal quite a bit uh, about my personal story real quick and then how that kind of led into um, to what I do now. So I have a disease called cystic fibrosis. Um, it's a long pancreatic digestive disease. Um, it is considered a progressive terminal disease. So um, when I was born, life expectancy was really young. Right now, it's probably about 35. Um, just had my 26th birthday, so it's kind of like, all right, <laughs> we're getting there. Um, so, uh, the, so when I was younger, um, I had a lot of, uh, I mean, I was sick all the time. Um, parkour actually helped my health tremendously because I was able to exercise. Um, and what happens in the lungs is basically um, you have these chloride channels that break down mucus in your lungs, right? So you get sick and then your, this mucus produces and you have it kind of thick in your lungs and then it gets broken down, right? Um, and cystic fibrosis, it doesn't get broken down. So I have to do airway clearance um, in order to get that mucus out. And if I don't, um, it can get built up and it can create blockages in the lungs, parts of the lung can die. Um, and it kind of just progresses to the point where you either need a lung transplant or you die. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, you know, I'm kind of lighthearted about it. Obviously that's pretty heavy, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, so, um, you know, I, I, I would get lung infections and then you go into the hospital for two weeks and they have really heavy antibiotics and they have regimens that you have to stick to. Um, I have daily regimens that I stick to. It takes me about a half hour, 45 minutes, um, to do these regimens. Um, and so that takes up time as well. Um, and so, so I kind of grew up with this, uh, like always taking care of yourself or else you're going to die. <laughs> it's like, you know, so, so that was a focus. So whenever I was in the hospital, um, there were always people there helping me. Like, no matter, uh, I mean, it was the nurses, the CNAs, like every, doctors, they always had such an interest in, in me as a person, right, in my health and in making sure that I would get out of the hospital and be able to live healthy. Um, and including my mom. My mom has been one of the most um, uh, influential people in my life because she is so self-sacrificing um, and unconditionally loving. Like if I, if, I mean, she would skip work for, for two, three weeks and just come to the hospital with me and it would sacrifice for the family and everyone was aware of that. And, um, you know, but, but they were just there for me. And so, so I grew up with that and, um, and I didn't really realize it until I started doing parkour and started traveling. Um, so I started, uh, almost 10 years ago in October. Um, and you know, just like thinking back, I, I mean, I, I know, Noah and Justin, both in the parkour community in Colorado, like I've known them for eight or nine years. So um, it, it's crazy to see where it's at right now. But, um, so when I, um, when I started parkour and started traveling and started getting to these opportunities, because I started when I did, uh, made YouTube videos and content when I did, um, it started to catch the eye of certain people. And then I got invited to the first Rebel Art of Motion in the US, um, which was in Tampa. And I know Justin did the one in Boston because they had like a dual event. Um, and that kind of just kick-started uh, this just waterfall of opportunities um, to be an athlete. Um, so I competed in uh, five Rebel Art Emotions total and then um, was performing um, and competing um, and just kind of doing little side jobs for, and I was living off that. I mean, at, you know, at 18 years old, when you, you're making $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month off of traveling, spread out throughout the year. It's like, what do you do with that? You just travel more. So I just pretty much reinvested that back into doing more things and, and visiting more events. Um, and it was an incredible experience and, and I'm so thankful that I had that. But through that journey, um, I was doing it for myself. Like it was like, okay, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna travel so that I can do more traveling and have more fun and like just enjoy and appreciate and travel. And that, like I, I don't, I think that's an amazing thing, right? That we all have the opportunity to, to choose that path. Um, 
And so I got to this point, though, um, where I've been doing this for a few years now. Um, and I went on this tour. I was actually traveling for about three months straight. Um, I was in LA for the Tempest Pro Takeover um, and spent some time up there. I ended up staying there for a month and just kind of hanging out with people, um, training, and then went to Las Vegas area and actually um, had a few performances out there. Um, made some money, and then me and Jeremy Carpenter, Justin Schaefer, um, Daniel Arroyo, Pip Anderson, I don't know if any of you know them anymore, <laughs> we all went, uh, <laughs> we, we went on a tour to Europe, um, and so we spent a month in Europe, um, and we just, we just traveled, like the whole idea was that we started at the top of Europe, and then went down to the, like through Europe, and then back up again. Um, and just spent time teaching workshops, training, having fun. It was all sponsored by WFPF. Um, and, and through those three months of travel, I realized that how many things I was just doing for myself. And pretty much my entire life has been uh, people doing things for me so I can live this life that I was living. Um, and what ended up happening, it's like this, there's just a snap, right? I, I, um, and and I'm, I very much wholeheartedly believe in God. Like I, I study my Bible. Like I really, like it's such a it's such a divine intervention that my life has been. Um, and there was just kind of this moment, um, and, and I was praying, and it was like, it's kind of like God was like, you're, you're doing this for yourself. Like, uh, let me take you, and let me help you do this for others. Um, and then that transition, and, and it kind of just struck my life, and like, I pretty much just dropped off the whole, I, I literally, like, after that trip, I got home, and I was like, okay, how can I use what I have just experienced in my life for the last few years and how can I use that for other people? And it was just like the most dramatic change that I've ever experienced. And I like pretty much stopped uh, like dropping content. I stopped, like, I kind of just like fell off the face of the earth when it came to, to doing parkour stuff. And then I put my time into other people. Um, and so that's what started Move to Inspire the gym. Um, so within, um, it, it was a hard process. It took about a, a year to get in the doors of a space to actually build out. But I, I, I came back to Colorado, um, and I talked to a friend, and I was like, hey, man, I know you're interested in this too. Like, let's, let's build a gym. Let's start it. And so I worked with him over the summer um, in the mountains in Colorado. We pretty much just like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I'm going to share this with you because it's ridiculous. There's these houses in Colorado, okay, like multi-million dollar homes. I mean, like insane where they have like carpet that has rabbit tufts in it so that when the air condition is blowing, it looks like there's clouds. You're walking on clouds, right? Like, ridiculous. I was vacuuming patios. Like, I was vacuuming concrete patios because they didn't want us to sweep because it would leave streaks. Like, so I was making $16 an hour doing that. And then at the same time, I was just planning out, like, how are we going to build this gym? What are we going to do? Like, what is, what is our focus going to be? Where is the money going to come from? What about... What are the things that we don't know? Which was pretty much everything. Um, so, but I knew that was what I was supposed to do. So, um, my my business partner at the time, we 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 figured it out. We got uh, we ended up having a couple investors. Um, we got we started with twenty thousand dollars. So, we really had like we were we were shoestringing it. Right? So, so we get we get twenty thousand um, dollars, and then we we start going to these these realtor companies. We're like, hey, we're looking for a space. This is what we're looking for. I mean, at at twenty, I think I was twenty. Yeah, I think it was 21, 22. They're like, yeah, right, right. Uh, they wouldn't even give me the time of day. So if I go and talk to these realtors, they'd be like, yeah, we'll go look at a space. We'll meet you there. We get out of the car. We meet them there for the first time. And, I mean, he just, like, he was so, like, okay, come on, let's go. Like, I, I need to go. I'm wasting my time right now. Like, 
many times that happened. Um, and then we would, we would submit the applications and like try to go through that process and they would just get denied because it was considered high risk because we're, we're too young, we don't have enough money, you know, like this. It, but I'm so glad that all happened because it led us to the place where we're at now, which um, on the news there was a, um, a, a trampoline park opening up in, in our town and they said they had a parkour section. I was like, but we want to do parkour here. <laughs> like, this was, this is, we've been trying to do this for years. And, um, you know, so, so we went and just talked to them. It was just kind of a conversation like, hey, we're, we've been trying to open a parkour gym for a while. Um, just wanted to know what your plan was and if we can get involved with it. Um, and, and so that's like networking. You know, you just open the door and you, you have that conversation and it creates opportunity. So we started talking to them and they pretty much were like, oh, you are? Cool. What's your plan? Like, you want some space? <laughs> you can build your own parkour gym here and sublease out some space. And it just kind of like fell into our laps because we walked into the door and asked, asked them the right questions. Um, and so within a month, um, we were subleasing out a 5,000 square foot space um, and we built the gym. And so within, well, from that conversation to doors opening was like a month and a half. Um, so that was that was incredible experience. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so so we opened up in our gym. It was, it was a really small section because we started with such limited capital. We we started with the necessities. We pretty much just like took okay, this is what a parkour gym needs, right? Like the, this is the bare minimum we can get away with. Let's try and start with that because generally in your area at least when we started, people didn't know what parkour was. And so we weren't creating a gym for the market that was there that already had parkour. We were creating a gym for a market that had no idea what was going on. So we were creating a market and telling people what it was and what they needed to, what they needed from it um, and how we could help them to, to progress and be uh, better athletes, better movement people. And then just also this idea that um, it's, you know, parkour is a tool, right? And for so many things. So kind of our philosophy when we started was that um, we're here to teach um, things like uh, um, like specific, um, I don't know what the right word is for it, <laughs> specific like um, attributes. So we're here to teach like um, positivity, uh, reinforcement, creativity. We're here to teach um, confidence. We're here to teach community. We're here to teach the, you know, the basically the essence of parkour as well as the essence of who we were. Um, and we're using parkour as a vessel to do that. So it wasn't like we were, let's open a parkour gym. It's like, let's open a life helping gym <laughs> and we're gonna use movement as the tool to do that. Um, so uh, in June 27th was our fourth year of business. Um, we've grown every year. We have, right now we have five employees. Um, one of them sitting in the audience right there, my man Victor. <laughs> um, <coughs> and and, it, and it's kind of just slowly progressed into, um, I mean, we have aerial arts in there now, um, and we've kind of slowly, we've done like uh, tumbling classes, and we kind of like, there's like cheer that's interested in coming into the building and a few other things. So, um, you know, the focus has always been the people, though. Um, it's always been, you know, how can we help you? How can we help you progress in your life? And so through that, um, it just kind of turned into, um, now we have a, we have a team of kids that we specifically focus on. Like we spend, again, like I said, I think we spend 10 hours with them a week and we just help foster them and we help mentor them. And we, and we try to do that with as many kids as, as want to, you know, and, um, I'm starting a youth group there this fall so that we can focus on the kids. Um, 
and and you know it's 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 such a project of just like that that giving back mentality um that when that switch happened for me that's kind of like the why now so it's it started out as like parkour started out as like well what can i get from this and how much can i do for myself with this and and that's what drove me at first and then when that switch happened it's like now the why is everyone else that wants something from this like how can how can i help and and this goes for literally anybody and i haven't had a chance to talk to everybody but if there's something i can do for you whether it's a connection it's a conversation it's uh it's you know you need to get in touch with somebody else you have questions like that's what that's what i want to do with my life and that's what i'm using these um these businesses and these structures to do and now now we're opening again i said um earlier there's a there's already a youth and special needs focus program in boulder but it's out of a gymnastics gym um and so they're limited with their space they have way too many clients um and i just started talking nick and i have been friend i mean we've all known nick zaleski for eight years as well um and we just started having conversations um and, and we decided to go in as partners and so it's it's called superhuman academy and now we're like probably less than a year out from from getting a space and opening a building and it and the focus really is youth and special needs because that's such a like such an important thing that movement can provide um, as as a as a catalyst for them to grow and to learn. We've seen it in so many ways, um, just through their program and then through some things that we have at our program as well in Junction. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of the why, and that's that's you know, and obviously the the driving factor behind that for me is is just like God working through me and trying to help as many people as I possibly can in this life and as many people as I can through those those business models so yeah awesome yeah so we're gonna open up for q a um but i do i do kind of want to wrap um this kind of all up and just show um that i mean amazing information you got here and we're all essentially i mean you probably heard we're all kind of talking about similar things but so like for example uh, just kind of segue in like with with the event side um, okay, my relationship with uh, with the gym owner is offering a, a kind of a, almost a wholesale thing. Say, hey, how do you feel about having a destination summer camp for your your gym? And we have a few gyms here that uh, Ninja Brand. What is up, conversations with creators, listeners, and watchers? Uh, today's episode is pretty cool. It is the uh, Jump Fest 2018 panel. So it is a parkour gathering of a whole bunch of athletes. And there's a panel, I was on it, uh, of a bunch of different styles of business. So there was a gym owner, a clothing designer. Uh, uh, there's obviously me doing video, talking about media. We all talk about business, just kind of tips and tricks for uh, how we've had success teaching the young kiddos uh, from some people that have had some experience. So I really hope you enjoy this Jump Fest 2018 panel. I am one of the speakers and uh, a lot of valuable stuff in here. So enjoy. I believe Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, said it, which is you can never connect the dots looking forward at what's going to work. Only looking back can you see the path and how all the things that you went through actually lead to where you are. Start creating every day. Every day. Make something every day, even if it's small. Actually, social media is awesome for this because you can kind of do it called micro content. You can make something and put it out and get 